This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all of the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better media host or looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month free. And with that said, enjoy the show. Hello, this is the Fallen Angel, Christopher Daniels, and you can't tell, but right now I'm dressed as Deacon and not the Fallen Angel because I'm at Waterworld, and you are listening to the Busted Wide Open podcast because there's degrees. There's a little bit busted open, but this is Busted Wide Open. You're listening to us, so thanks for listening. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open podcast, dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling with your hosts... Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. But if this is your first time joining the show, I'd like to welcome you to episode number 190. Inching ever closer to that magic 200 number, I am Nick Howell. And making a note to avoid the Usos barber at all costs i am <laughs> sir ian dangerous and welcome to the show I you think and they, me both dude they look like they got the cut they gave to the kids on the short bus back in the 1950s it's bad Ooh. like i'm not i mean look hey don't add us about hair fashion i go to john morrison's hairstylist and nick hasn't cut his hair in three years but don't You're, mind you, that you go to like tna 2006 aj Styles' hairstylist I'm not mad at that. Welcome to the show, everybody, and thank you for joining us today on Busted Wide Open. Indeed, yes. we were we are here to talk about all things wrestling related. This this week, this episode, we are talking about this week's AEW NXT SmackDown and more. We got an Impact pay per view coming up on Sunday and NXT Blackpool. Oh my goodness, so much to discuss today, Nick. So much to get to. We have no time to waste. Let's do some housekeeping and get into the show. Yes, as always, guys, join us over on Facebook.com. Just search for Busted Wide Open. Like our page and send us a join request to get into the group with the rest of the phenomenal ones. You'll also find a link pinned at the top to get into our Discord server, which is where we do all of our live chats every single week, all throughout every show. We have active live chats going on uh, for AEW, Raw, SmackDown, Dynamite, Dark, NWA Power, all of them, but you got to be into the Discord server for that. It is growing and growing every week, and thank you guys every uh, for every episode and every show that you guys join us in there. It's uh, it's much appreciated, and it helps Sheriff McDonald stay sane by not having to delete a bunch of spoilers out of the Facebook group. There is a purpose behind it, and that is it, is so that we can have both the best of both worlds. So join us in both Facebook and Discord over there. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at BWO Podcast. YouTube streaming live right here at YouTube.com slash Busted Wide Open every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern and every Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern, where we also do our patron mailbag episode immediately after this show that you're watching right now. So 
After this show, stick around. We're going to fire up a brand new stream immediately and take our listener questions, which we get from our patrons. And the ability to get the ability to do that, you have to head over to patreon.com slash BWO and sign up for just that $5 a month tier. That gives you the ability to uh, have access to every show note for every episode that we do as well as that ability to ask those patron listener questions for the patron mailbag that we do every Saturday, roughly around 5 p.m. Eastern. So in case you missed this show, you can still tune in. And hell, they're all on YouTube in perpetuity anyway, so you can always go back and just watch them on demand. But patreon.com slash BWO. Thank you guys for all of your support. You patrons rock. And uh, make sure everybody is subscribed at youtube.com slash bustedwideopen. And also jingle that little bell so that you get notified whenever we go live or put up any new video content. Ian, I, I think you're right. There's so much to go over this week. Uh, it, it, there weren't really any big, big happenings, but there's so much content that we are on the precipice of. I don't think we should waste any more time and kick things straight off with All Elite Wrestling. Well, let's run down the card of what happened this Wednesday in AEW. First off, you had Kenny Omega and Hangman Page teaming up to defeat Private Party. Mm-hmm. Cool, really fun, high-energy, hot match. Uh, and a little bit of story is salt in there, too. Uh, can Hangman and Kenny get along? They haven't been seeing eye-to-eye lately. They did pull it off the win here, but there was a little bit of tension between the two of them. Um, they're kind of like slowly... I don't know if they're, they're turning Hangman or if they're like... I don't know where they're going to end up with this, Nick. It's obviously Hangman's not happy with the elite, with his place in the elite, with how things have been with him ever since he lost to Jericho for the, for the first ever title match. Uh, so I'm not really sure where they're going to end up, but do you think the pace of how they're taking this is fine? Like, are you okay with how, how slow it's going or... Are you like an I want it now kind of person? I am definitely not the I want it now person. I like the slow burn, but I have a hypothetical question for you. As a okay. bartender yourself, as we saw last week, if I came into your bar while you were tending and I just walked around the back of the bar, grabbed a bottle of whiskey, poured myself some rocks and, and a nice strong double pour, and just walked out of there with it, would I get out of the bar or would you challenge me to a tag team match the following week? Because uh, that's kind of what went down here is Hangman stole, stole a scotch and Private Party were like, we want our, you're going to pay for that drink. That's, well, what, yeah, that's how we got you, this match. You should pay for that drink. That's, that is the etiquette. Uh, that, that being said, I'm not really sure if that was Private Party's bar, if there was another bar, if there was just an open bar, anyone could do anything with it, and they had already like paid a big fee, and it was just <laughs> open, anyone could take what they want. Like That whole scenario with the bar was very confusing to me. <laughs> it was like, what? <laughs> whose bar is this? Where yeah. are you? Where is the a, bartender? <laughs> I know it's a place that you don't that you need an invitation to get in, but shouldn't you also have someone pouring you drinks there, or are you pouring your own drinks? Or how how does this work exactly? I mean, if, it was, if it was private parties bar, all they would have is vodka cranberry. Right, exactly. So why is he drinking scotch? And then right. is it already prepaid? Because the second he gets behind it, I work at a bar, and if someone who else who works at the bar who's not on shift gets behind my bar, they get a tongue lashing. You don't come behind my bar when it's my bar if 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 hangman page if i'm in the bathroom or if there's no one behind the bar i walk back into my bar and hangman page is behind my bar pouring himself a scotch i don't care if he's got 50 pounds on me i'm taking the dude out of my bar i'm grabbing him by the ear twisting real hard and being like you getting out of my bar today not gonna happen sir 
Uh, or I may just call my door staff, and they're, they're going to have to help me because he's, right. he's a big, hossy dude. But that being said... Speaking of big, hossy dudes, where was uh, Private Party's big, hossy dude that's working the velvet rope? It's Always not his when they job to regulate. He's, just, right. well, he's working the rope. All right. He's outside of doing the rope. You have you have separate security guys. You have indoor sure. security guys. You have out. He's the outdoor security guy. All he right. just works the rope. The, the 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 point that we're getting to that we're kind of getting aside here is that Hangman Page is drinking a lot and not doing a lot of stuff with with the elite. And that's I'm curious where they're going with this. I like the little nuances they're throwing in here. Uh, like like Hangman always being kind of maybe he's been drinking. We're not sure. <laughs> like that's fun uh, and not something you see a lot because. There's no drinking on WWE TV, so it's kind of cool to to see that little nuance. But yeah, yeah, I'm not mad at the pace either. I, you know, I'll, I'll give them a little while longer. If we're still where we are right now in a month, I'll be like, all right, come on, let's go, guys. This is but, better than Kenny doing video game montage characters with the Young Bucks in some kind of you know six man tag scenario. I, I like that they're building storyline, and this one's probably there is storyline that comes from it, and it's kind of a payoff if you've been a New Japan or a Bullet Club slash Elite fan for long enough to know the history of all of these guys, and they've they've come up together in a way. So if you just started watching AEW TV, it's it's kind of paying off on its own, but it also is an added bonus if you know that Hangman's been around them and there's been some strife, him and Marty. and uh, So all of this stuff really does pay off in the end, and I want them to keep it going because don't don't pay it off right away. Let's let this build into something that could be really good. Right. Yeah, agreed. I, I, fingers crossed. Um, well, we go from really good to really, really bad, Nick. Oh, Possibly boy. the worst thing that's happened on AEW TV to, to date, in my opinion, like just the most cringy, most just not, not good, not good wrestling, not good TV. Uh, Riho has her match with Chris Statlander, Chris Statlander gunning for Riho's women's championship, the ugliest belt in wrestling. Um, that's not true. WWE has wor worse belts, but man, that woman's belt's not pretty. It really isn't. I don't know. They, there's a lot they could do to improve that woman's belt. And, that goes for the division as well, so how, how appropriate. Um, this was barely a match, Nick. Aside from being sloppy in a few places, they, they barely got going because so much other crap started happening. You had Brandy on commentary for the first little bit, which was bad enough. She bad was, omen. Oh, my God, she was bad on commentary. Okay, here's the thing. I, we don't like being negative without explaining why and without perhaps, you know, say, giving some sort of constru constructive criticism. So you I'm go not first because I'm going to be negative. I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to just say that Brandy sucked because she did suck, but here's why she sucked and here's how it could have been better and here's how it could have improved. Brandy on commentary was there insulting the other commentators, being generally obnoxious, and when they would discuss either... Chris Statlander or Britt Baker or anyone else, she would just insult them. The point of you being out there on commentary is to get someone or something over. The fundamental concept is to make people interested or make people care, make people understand your position on something. And insulting people right and left doesn't necessarily do that. It makes you come across like an obnoxious twit, which is what she did. Uh, when, it's, when they mention Britt Baker and she just goes, mm, I wouldn't want her working on my mouth, mm, this kind of thing. Well, maybe you got to say that in a way that puts over Britt Baker what she is. Even if you're insulting her, it should be something that makes people want to care about Britt Baker. 
whatever Britt Baker's doing. We have no idea if Britt Baker's being a face or a heel right now because she and Sheeta were sitting in the crowd, and when all the shenanigans happened with this match, Sheeta got up and got involved and tried to help the good guys, and Britt Baker just sat there and pouted. Me, 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 me. So we have no idea what's going on with Britt Baker, and Brandy didn't help with that. Uh, in addition, she didn't put over anything about how Chris Statlander is big and strong. She didn't put over how you know Chris is a worthwhile wrestler, anything. She just insulted her. She's so silly. Uh-uh-uh. What are you talking about, Exhibit? Ha, 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 ha. What a witty thing to call Excalibur. Um, it, it, was, it was very bad, and it didn't have to be because that was not her point in being there. She could have put over her, her people, Awesome Kong and Mel, who came out to the ring to get involved. There's lots she could have done, and she didn't do it. And frankly, Nick, this is actually worrisome because Brandy is so involved in the women's division and now is involved at the highest level in the women's division by getting involved in this title match and having her Nightmare Collective come out and get involved. And they did get involved, and they broke up the end of the match and messed it all up, and Riho retained just because they interfered to cost Chris Statlander the match, including interference from out from under the ring at one point came Dr. Luther, who we had speculated was there going to be another member of the quote-unquote Nightmare Collective. Um, so who is so Luther for those that might not know or the commentary tried to explain haphazardly who he was and where he came from, but do you In know? real life yeah. or, or, or in, in Japan. I mean, he is a, he's a, a, a very legendary Japanese deathmatch wrestler. I mean, I, I'm very legendary. I maybe be a bit of hyperbole, but yeah, he's, he's been around quite a bit, but I don't think he ever really got terribly famous in the States, but he is really good friends with Chris Jericho, which is why I suspect he's around. Um, he also, he's got a good look for what they're doing here. You know, as far as the nightmare collective, he's got a good look, Yeah. but at the same time, I'm still not hundred percent what it is they're doing with the nightmare collective. Obviously they're, they're a faction. Obviously they're all somehow beholden to Brandy Rhodes. We still haven't defined whether it's a cult, what that cult believes, like why they're, they're taking people's hair. Like a lot of these things haven't been defined yet. Is it supernatural? Is it not? And it's unfortunate because you have another cult that's very well-defined, which is Dark Order, um, which we'll get to because I have some issues with that too. But uh, the, the problem is this all underscored the issues they're having with the women's division as a whole. There's just no strong definition to any of it. There's no reason for us to care right now. Chris Statlander has, has not really been established as like a top baby face yet. She hasn't had time to be. Um, you know, Hikaru Shida got involved in this match. We don't really know who she is yet, except she's a baby face. Um, you know, Brandy just came across as obnoxious here. We still don't know anything more about that. She didn't get anything more about the Nightmare Collective over, anything more about, you know, why they're together. Nothing of that came across. It was just Brandy kvetching and making fun of people, and it was completely counterproductive the whole segment. Was uh, there, was, well, you, you said you wanted to come down on it, Nick. What did you have to say about it? Kenny Omega is going to shove Joshy Stardom Wrestling down our throats whether we like it or not. And I feel like there has been enough... Listen, I heard the Riho chants. I, I heard it. Had, had all of the stuff that happened in this match happened after the match and we either swapped a title or we didn't, I would have been okay with almost all of this. I personally didn't find Brandy that annoying. I was paying attention to the match. I wasn't really paying attention to what Brandy was saying. But you calling it out does give me pause and make me go, oh, yeah, that was kind of stupid. 
But we did have constant cutbacks to Sheeta and Britt Baker ringside, both of them looking just, you know, not why am I even here kind of looks on their faces. But this was a moment. You just signed. A, the, you signed her the day she debuted. You just signed the number one prospect. The number one prospect, right? And you're going to have her... It looked like she was pulling harder than she normally would with Riho as if she was scared she was going to break her. And it made her ultimately look bad. And yeah, so now neither of them look good in this match. Neither of them look good. Let's put all the Nightmare Collective stuff aside for a minute. It yeah. looked bad. And I think that the best thing that they could do is recognize that they made a mistake strapping Riho this early. They gave her no underdog babyface story at all to build up from to go after and, you know, yes, she beat Nyla Rose, but that happened in, like, the course of two weeks. There was no thing. So I don't believe in her. I don't believe that she is this super under, that just finds a way to win constantly. And we had it again here. They were even beating her up. And What's she's the still problem? It, none of it made any sense. It was. It seemed inevitable that we were going to have a little bit of a reboot of the women's division. Let's strap Chris Statlander. Let's let everybody else chase. She's the hot new big prospect. And then maybe we continue to have the back and forth with the Nightmare Collective because they've established that already, that they want to recruit. They want to induct Chris Statlander with her alien boop personality, Whatever. right? Yeah. So they've, that's, that's great. Had they had Chris Statlander go over before they came out, and or before they interfered and then got in and messed her up and messed Riho up in the process and then had she to come out. I mean, the pieces would have just fit together better. Well, I but think, just, I think it, you hit on one something. One last thing. There, it, just, it just yeah. feels like they're so intent on having us get behind Riho and Akari Shida, which they're amazing. Don't get me wrong. I just don't have any reason to care. Right. Yeah, and I, and I think you hit on something is that all the pieces are there. They have a lot of really good pieces. It's just how they've been put together so far it, it has not worked. And they've got to they got to reassess how they're putting the pieces together and also how they're presenting these pieces. Yeah. You know, and that was that was more my issue was the presentation of a lot of this uh, was severely lacking. And part of that came from the top, from Brandy not knowing how to present them on commentary. You're there, you have an opportunity now. You could have put over a bunch of things here and given us a lot of pieces that would have made us care uh, about these all these elements that you have working in the, in the women's division, you had the opportunity, it was right there, and you decided instead to just call people names, which gets nobody over, which advances nothing, doesn't put any butts in the seats. So, enough bitching, let's talk about good stuff. Sammy Guevara versus Christopher Daniels. Mm. Uh, nice dude. I, I love watching the young guys face off against the old guys. And, the, you know, Chris Daniels obviously still has it, still can go. That's part of his story was he messed up uh, that Arabian moonsault on Pentagon Junior a couple weeks ago. And now that's part of his story is, is Chris Daniels past his prime? Is it too late for Chris Daniels kind of thing? And it's, it's like, of course it's not, dude. The dude can still completely go. Yeah. Um, but seeing him work with a kid like Sammy Guevara, who is just, you know, they've strapped the rockets to that kid for a reason. Um. And obviously working with Jericho and, and being mentored by Jericho is doing wonders for him as well. Uh, this is, it was, was just a lot of fun. It was very cool to see. Um, and at the end of it all, Sammy Guevara beats Chris Daniels. And Chris Daniels in the ring, like having a moment of, of like, oh, crap, have I lost it? And sure enough, out comes the Dark Order. And uh, Evil Uno says, Chris, 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 
You've lost it, my friend, but if you put on my mask and join the Dark Order, we can give it back to you. And Chris, you know, he has a moment of thinking about it. And then, no, he throws the mask at him, and he gets tackled by everybody, and out comes SCU to save him, and out comes the Young Bucks and everyone else who got beat up by Dark Order a couple of weeks ago. It's a big old scrum. At the end, Chris Daniels stands tall. Uh, what did you think about all this, Nick? Is this? Do you like the Chris Daniels finding his mojo again storyline? Is Dark Order intimidating enough? I guess is my big question for this segment. Like, what did you think of all this? Uh, we haven't seen a big enough personality put the mask on to show that it would make a difference in your career, so to speak. So we saw Alex. Um, I'm struggling to remember their names, and that's kind of Reynolds. the point. Alex Reynolds. Thank you. Uh, and there was another one as well that also donned the mask, but they haven't had... I think what needs to happen here to really put this over in a big way is to have someone of significance, uh, upper mid-carter of sorts, to, like a Christopher Daniels, I, I think I actually thought he might actually do this. Right. First, there was a second when he had the mask. I was like, oh, shit, okay. Um, could it be a thing that turns them and gives them, dare I say, superpowers where they, it's a resurgence in their... And is that the story they're trying to go for? The mask it gives you energy and power and superhuman abilities kind of things. Yeah. Look, it's all fun and games, right? Look, I get that. But at the same time, I want to see it work, and you need to sell me that it does work on someone that I remember and get behind and tune in to watch every single week. Or just anything. Like with any of these cults, you have to give a reason for people for people to be in the cult. And at this right. point, you know, we don't really see it. We kind of see it with Dark Order where, you know, maybe this, this, this is some sort of mind brainwashing going on. But, yeah, I agree. There needs to be something that establishes that they're powerful for a reason. Otherwise, they're just kind of there. You yeah. know, is the it Scientology that, or is it an MLM scheme? We don't know they, because nobody right. tells us. <laughs> I mean, they came out, they beat everybody up uh, the last show of last year, and it was, every, it was kind of controversial because people were like, well, why should we care about Dark Order? Well, how, why are they beating up the top of the card? Right. They've been established as a joke up until now, pretty much. And that's the problem is that, as you said, they need to not feel like a joke. Right. And here they kind of did again where they were very easy to say no to, and then they had a big scrum and they got chased off. So it's, you know, and, and Scorpio went over the top rope. Of course he did. But th again, it's, they need to do something to establish them as a significant force. And there's actually, to, to try and promote later in the show, during the news segment at the end of the show, Nick, I have a rumor that's been floated that's apparently a strong rumor as for who will become, will become the leader of the Dark Order uh, oh. in the coming months. But I'll save that for the news segment for later. Okay. So stay tuned. Yes. Uh, in the meantime, let's talk about Cody and his brother Dustin teaming up against the Lucha Brothers in a fantastic match. Dude, you know, <laughs> Dustin Rhodes still kicks so much ass in that ring at his age. It's unbefreaking-leavable. I don't know he's how in he still does those power slams with 250-plus dudes, you know? Yeah, and well, he's a big boy to begin with, so that True. helps. True. But, um, yeah, you got two of the greatest wrestlers in the world in the Lucha Brothers, and... Cody and Dustin are just step for step with them. Now, granted, it was kind of like them hyping the crowd and the Lucha Brothers doing a lot of the work, but this was still a wildly entertaining match. Um, but Cody and Dustin beat the Lucha Brothers. Why do the Lucha Brothers seem to lose so much? It, it may just be my perception. Why do they seem to lose so much in AEW? You've got, and also, like, it's weird. You have Pentagon came out, distracted Christopher Daniels, cost him his match, so they still have some beef. And here now, the Lucha Brothers, I don't know if this was just a random one-off with the with the, the Rhodes boys or what, but 
to me, the Lucha Brothers still seem like they're kind of in limbo, and they haven't really been established as top tier for people that haven't watched them outside of AEW. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, why, why is that, do you think? Honestly, it's because I think they could lose every match, and I'm still going to get hype every time they come out. The song's a banger. Pentagon looks amazing in his getup. Phoenix even looks fantastic. Pentagon he, he, wore, he wore the mask week. you have this week, yeah. by the way. Yep. Which was fantastic. I called that out in the chat for people to remind them of the old school. Look, I mean, the Lucha Bros, Pentagon and Ray Phoenix, for those that have been around wrestling, are they're already kind of legends right, in their own rights. Like they they already have a presence, but when they walk out on top of the ramp, it's not like oh they lost three matches and now they're irrelevant. That's not going to happen. In a weird way, I think you need to keep Cody and Dustin strong. I think you need to keep them looking that way because. If they did that, that's the funny part of this whole thing. If they went on a massive losing streak like that, we'd kind of stop caring or we'd lose faith uh, in their ability to uh, get over the big one, right? Well, but every, people would question, but every time, people would every question time, them, yeah, a lot yeah. more than, than Lucha Brothers losing. Yeah, but every okay. time the Lucha Brothers come out, I, they're just, there's just going to be an ass whooping, and that's what I'm there to watch. That's what I've signed up for when I see the Lucha Brothers come out. I'm not signed up yet for superior title contention, there, there's just there's on any given Sunday the Lucha Brothers could get one over on you, regardless of how many times they've lost, and that's Wednesday. what that's what I take Wednesday, away from Wednesday. It. Wednesday. Wednesday. Oh, I'm sorry, any given Wednesday. Wednesday. There you go. There you go. Or Saturday, uh, I should say. What? Or for their pay per views? Uh, oh, ah, uh, right. Um, here's the thing: is that you're saying anytime that the Lucha Brothers come out, you're expecting something. Anytime Cody and Dustin come out, there's a huge pop. There's a huge crowd reaction. Cody might be the most over guy. In AEW, it's like him or Orange Cassidy at this point. Yeah. Um, it's but for very different reasons, you know, uh, which is which is kind of cr- it's crazy on one hand. It makes sense on the other hand when you see how he got there. But what like that? I'm just wondering what they're going to do with that equity. And at the end of this match, you had uh, Cody get asked by Tony Schiavone, you know, what's up last week, MJF. Gave you a bunch of stipulations to have a match with him. What are you going to do? Arn Anderson steps in, and I got chills because he started giving one of those Arn Anderson promos. He started talking like Arn. Ooh. And he said, uh, we're not going to listen to his ridiculous demands right now. We're going to talk about it and get back to him. Perfect. What do you think about the inclusion of Arn in haven't, all of this? Haven't made, Look, you can't not love it, but I haven't really made up my mind as to whether it was the right place for him to fit. I love the the loose tying in with the Rhodes family and Arn Anderson, um, knowing the things that we know about his fall from grace in WWE in the last uh, few years or so has just been, yeah, that sucked. But did we? It was that the right place to bring him in? I think they nailed it with Tully and Sean Spears. I thought that was a perfect alignment, and it was great. Uh, that's the kind of amplification that you needed to use someone with that level of street cred to amplify. Cody and Dustin Rose did not need that. And I'm wondering if it's going to have a big payoff in the end or if it's going to come back to bite them because somebody could take out Arn. They get so, it's such a loving relationship. They could want to defend Arn and that ultimately costs them something. That If I were fantasy booking this, that's what I would, would do there. <laughs> that's is, what you just, just did. I kind of yes. just did, right? But I would have used Arn for someone like a, just a up and comer white meat baby face that we needed to, to amplify a little bit more mm. rather than spend that equity on 
Cody and Dustin that frankly didn't need it. Yeah, and I think that if ever Sean Spears comes back around, it'll pay off a lot more. And I think that they maybe should revisit that, but it doesn't seem to be on the horizon anytime soon. What seems to be on the horizon... One second. uh, If I'm watching NWA Power and Tully Blanchard and Arn Anderson walk out into the studio, I'm absolutely going to lose my shit one of these days because it was teased in the last couple of weeks that it it might happen with Midnight Express and everything going on. Or uh, Rock and Roll Express, excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, if that happened, the world might I, implode on I us. don't see NWA happening with those two, but you might see it on AEW. Well, the other thing you saw was uh, MJF coming out, and uh, speaking of legends, co- comes out and gets interrupted by none other than uh, Diamond Dallas Page. It's he, it's he, it's DDP. And he came out, and I, I have to say... Only Diamond Dallas Page could come out and self-promote so goddamn hard in the middle of the ring uh, with his Twitter handles and his Instagrams and his yoga and all the rest of it. He got the crowd chanting yoga at one point. And I'm sitting here with a big old grin on my face. Like, this guy is such a... You, if you know DDP's story and how he was, you know, he got involved super late with wrestling. Yeah. Uh, actually wrestling. He was just a manager before that. Um, and just the success story that he had in WCW becoming like such an over babyface, one of their top babyfaces, huge success. Uh, it just, you know, you've got to love the guy. And then also, of course, the incredible things he's done for how many people, including, you know, a lot of uh, old wrestlers with his, uh, with his yoga and his, his lifestyle changes. Um, and it just made me, th- just once again, brought up for me just how, unbelievably stupid and petty and short-sighted WWE was by just squandering the ability of this guy to be an amazing babyface. They had him stalking the Undertaker's wife. Like, uh, it still blows my mind to this day. I remember, I mean, back in the day when I was way less savvy about all this stuff, watching that, and even back then being like, what are you doing? This is dumb. <laughs> what are you doing? This is ridiculous. He's out today. He's out here, and he makes MJF look like that much more of a shitty bastard heel because he's such a good babyface. Yeah. And sure enough, he comes out and essentially says, "You know, MJF, you're a little, you're a little shit," basically. And um, the best part is what during his during his whole <laughs> during DDP's whole speech. Uh, MJF is in the corner live tweeting. <laughs> that was brilliant. Uh, just, just not even caring. Just scrolling. So, yeah. And DDP's like, look, you, you, yeah, you got my ring for the match. Fine. But you know what? You're kind of a little shit. And MJF says, well, you know, DDP, I know you've been talking about having one more match, but it's not going to be with me. How about you fight these guys? They're more down for a fight. Butcher and Blade come out. Butcher and Blade come out. Both eat a diamond cutter before MJF gets a low blow off on DDP and the beatdown begins. Uh, and uh, then QT Marshall and Dustin run out to save DDP. Here's my question. Why the hell are Butcher and Blade still going out there and eating diamond cutters and not getting over? Because, uh, again, you, you have the opportunity to make them look dominant. And as, as dominant as they look, their appearance, their gimmick is intimidating as hell. And then they just get squashed every time, it seems. And it hasn't been many times, agreed. But 
it they don't seem they don't come across as being very strong right now, Nick. I'm not there yet. It's been twice now. It, it's not. I think there's still an opportunity to you know have them get over private party or something like that. Like there's gonna be that match, that signature win that makes them super believable. We just haven't had it yet. And again, it's patience. It's I'm, it needs to happen. It needs I, to happen asap. With yeah, these two. Yeah. Sooner than later. Yeah. It's going to happen I, next I week. Butcher Blade and MJF versus QT Marshall, Dustin Rhodes, and DDP happens next week. So, Oh, they'll put them down. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Uh, Jurassic Express and the best friends had a match. Uh, all three of the Jurassic, all three on three. It was, uh, it was Marco and Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus versus all three of the best friends. Trent. Trent with the question mark. And Chucky e. T and Orange Cassidy getting the biggest pop of the night by far. Good Lord, that guy is over. It Good blows Lord. my mind uh, every single time. But is this the kind of thing that couldn't like you couldn't do this? It wouldn't work in WWE. It's the fan engagement. Like this was such a comedy match with Marco doing his stuff, you know, and and, and being funny and you know trying to get himself pepped up for Trent and Trent just demolishing him or. You know, Lucha's like the, the whole gimmick of the Jurassic Express, which is kind of goofy. Or Orange Cassidy, which is wildly goofy, but yet is over as hell, and people take it dead seriously when he does the little like kind of half-hearted kicks, and the whole crowd is involved in that. Would that that wouldn't work in WWE? Would it? No. Like this would only work. Well, he's even here. he's even taking the double step back to do the crow step to step into it, and <laughs> people are doing the Daniel Bryan like he's revving up. You know. So I, I don't I don't uh, it, the thing the thing that continues to amaze me is how much fun people are having with wrestling again. Yeah, and I think Orange Cassidy is just an example of that. I think we had a it was a long three to five year slog, and in a combination, I mean, some of the things that WWE to their credit is is, is getting us back into it again. Look at the Fiend. You know, right. just there's things happening across wrestling right now from the indies to WWE and all things in between that we're all just kind of having. Is it is this a renaissance that we're going through of oh, we're, yeah. we're enjoying wrestling again and we're not just being belligerent buttheads about everything <laughs> except on people, Twitter? A lot of people still are. I was going to say, yeah. Nick, but that's that's the let's, thing. Let's, is, let me make one other real quick point. Yeah. AEW's audience is still a very marky kind of crowd. Right, we no, are, no, Nick. I, there's what? not a lot of the filthy casuals going to AEW events as there are in uh, WWE events. So my point being is that yes, you're going to get chants for things like yoga. They're going to latch on to anything that's two right. syllables and make a chant out of it. Right? They're going to laugh at Orange Cassidy because it's inclusive. They want to. They want to be a part of the of the thing. Right? So yeah. It's well, but also, you know, I think there's something beyond that as well where, you know, Cornette would obviously like he he's loses, you know, ounces and ounces of steam out of his ears right. every time that he sees Orange Cassidy wrestle. He's like, oh, he's killing the business. You're exposing the business. And you're killing it. You know what the business is, is anything the crowd will buy into. That's all it is, is if you can get it over, it's over, dude. Like it, that's that's all there is. It doesn't matter beyond that you don't have to have it be like two guys genuinely in the ring wrestling and it's all super technical it doesn't that doesn't have to be what it is it can be anything you've got the champion in wwe is a is a mystical psycho entity clown. yeah clown thing 
Like, good God, you want to you want to get psycho on clown? Don't get me wrong, but it's not the psycho clown, but it's a it's basically no, a he's an psycho demon clown. clown. Wait, he's not yeah. an insane clown. I take that back too. Uh, no, it's that's that's my point. Is that it's it's <laughs> whatever you can get over. Whatever you can get over is what works. And Orange Cassidy has gotten his gimmick over with that crowd. Like, they're all buying in as though he's, like, whatever, his little kicks or whatever. Like, that. obviously, we know he's, we get it. It's it's irony at this point. But at the same time, it's over. And that sells. And that, that's kind of, that works. You know, I, I know the argument, the counter argument would be, well, how long will it last? And really, all I have to say to that is, as long as they can make it last. So far, so good. So it only seems so to be amping up. God. I laughed at it harder than I ever have. I just said this in the chat. I laughed at it harder last week when the best friends pulled him out from on the ladder from under the ring. I literal LOL busted out laughing. Because he was just sitting there with his hands in his pockets and looking when he, around when he going, went, like, wait, where am the, I? He goes on the top turnbuckle and he like, signals like he's going to do a front flip and he just kind of falls off. Yeah. On the <laughs> headbutts. headbutts of, yeah, no, that's the thing. It's It's... Dude, I, a lot of people, I think, get too precious about it. Um, and really, like, all it comes down to is, is the crowd having fun with it? Are they invested in it? Are they yes. in? If so, then shh, yep. let it happen. Like, that's it. That's will it will come and go and live and die on its own as... as yeah. As, what was the thing they talked about in Gladiator all the time? It's, it's pleasing the mob. The mob right. rules that's, Rome, right? That's and, all and that's, you have to do. That's, that's all really all it's about. Please them. Oh, well said. Uh, finally, John Moxley finally gave his answer to Chris Jericho. Would he or wouldn't he join the inner circle? And his answer was, yes, he will join the inner circle. He's wearing an inner circle shirt. He says, let's bust out the bubbly. I can't be bought, but I want to dominate. And you guys are the most dominating force in wrestling, so I'm in. And the crowd went, uh, uh, What? Uh, yay wait boo wait what oh people were swerved by this flipped i it. Uh, this might be the hardest i've ever been worked in my wrestling fandom <laughs> of all time because here's why <laughs> we do this show and we notice little nitpicky kind of things right we notice that us AEW nitpick is, we nitpick a, aew is, a, is still in, a, in its fledgling state right we we understand production and how that works and timing and i was looking at the clock going Shit, they still got like eight minutes. How are they going to, after he says yes, and they're like, how are they going to close this out? Is somebody going to run out and challenge him? Is Tana and Suzuki going to show up? Because Jarek or Moxley. Oh, God, you really worked yourself into a Like, oh, my God, all of this stuff. And then he hands him the, hey, you need to, you promised me the keys to that Ford GT. And he handed it to him like, oh, my God. Really? Did they, they just really go give too... the GT keys? Oh God! I guess did it's they, really did happening. they just go too fast throughout the show from a production standpoint? And they just yeah. had all this extra time to kill at the end because I'm like waiting for something else to happen. And nothing does, and and I was already ready to come on the show and be like, you know, it was really kind of awkward the way the end of the show with them just standing in the ring and they were just partying it up and the whole crowd was kind of feeling awkward. I felt awkward. It was a weird way to go off the air. I feel like I feel like they screwed up their timing somehow. Right. And then with 30 seconds left, Moxley goes, hey, Chris. I, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm not joining I'm, your I'm thing. just kidding. I, your group yeah. is stupid, yeah. and screw you. Why would I ever want to join that? <laughs> hits him in the head with a bottle. You son paradigm, of a bitch! Paradigm shift to him. Paradigm shift to Sammy Guevara. Tries to hit Jake Hager with the bottle, but it disintegrates in his hand, and he runs off into the crowd, flipping the bird and saying, ah, I got the keys. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that was fun. Oh, that was fun. Son of a good God. Was, Moxley. Uh, well and and also, you know, 
The other thing I really got to point out here is uh, there's one thing that really good villains do, and and honestly, really good actors. This is just something that that I think is is kind of a it's a big deal when you see it. Is people that are willing to be vulnerable. Uh, it goes a long way towards like just the quality of their performance. And Chris Jericho is really, really down to he's down to make to look like a fool. He's okay with looking like a fool. He's okay with looking like he's been made a fool of. Yeah. He's and he's okay with like he was, you know, hitting the head with a bottle and they cut back to him and he's just he, like they're trying to you know, Hager's picking up his lifeless body and Jericho is selling it. Like he's waking up from a coma, um, and it—I was—I just made me think, like, what a generous performer Chris Jericho is. That he's willing to make himself seem like he could be that vulnerable. That he could be made—he could be made that much a fool of. It makes Moxley seem—it makes him seem that much better. It sells the whole segment so much better. He can get his back later. It's something that so few people truly understand or know that they have to do. Like so many people don't ever want to look vulnerable. Um, yeah. Mox and Moxley does it too. Moxley, even with this new character, which is kind of like every teenage boy's fantasy of what they want to be, is like the you know the strong badass who's still somehow intelligent, who's gets gets it over on you know sticks to the man and like is super violent, all the rest. When he lost to Toru Yano in the G one, he was made a fool of. Like Toru Yano made a fool of him and he totally sold like i have been made a fool of so it's not like moxley's above it either um and the best performers do that they're they're generous with that and it it makes them better it makes their opponents better so i i just loved seeing that little 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 tangent i wanted to go on just just a thought that i had i don't want him to stop here i want to turn it up to 11 I want Moxley to come out next week with that 4GT and it's in a cube. It's been crushed. And just to stick it to him, like have it sitting at the top of the ramp or on the bed of a truck in a video package or have him at some scrapyard getting getting it picked up by one of those claw cranes and just crushed and dropped down into the crusher. Amp this up. Like take it, take it to 11 because, by God, just have Moxley on a collision course with Chris Jericho. Oh, I think they're that's that's exactly where they're going. Uh, the, so weird thing here, Nick. You've got two guys who won their Japan matches, and they referenced that. They said they both were in the Tokyo Dome. They won their matches. Moxley held up a sign saying, "I won two of my matches," uh, but no reference to where they were. No, no, they didn't say New Japan. I they thought they said Wrestle Jericho. Kingdom. They said Wrestle Kingdom. I think they yeah. might have. They might have let that slip. But they didn't say New Japan. Right. They didn't. They said the Tokyo Dome, but they didn't say Tanahashi. They didn't say anything about Archer or Suzuki or anything no, like it that. Was, we won our mat. We both won our matches at right. Wrestle Kingdom this weekend. Right. Is what so well, what does that say to you? I mean, to me, that says things still chilly, things still evolving with New Japan. I Nothing think they want us to yet. think that. I, I like I said last week. Supposedly, I, I think there's a deal. There, but there's a back alley. You know, secret handshake that's that's we're getting ready to get exposed to over the course of this year. The report I saw was that was that Tony Khan didn't want the word New Japan said because he said it does or mention of the belts over there. He didn't want Moxie wearing the U.S. belt. He said it doesn't. Uh, it's not advantageous to our company. I agree with it's, that. Was his exact words. So I agree. I don't with know. That. I don't. I don't know. I have a very different mindset about how to do business. But then again, I'm also not a billionaire. So what do I know? 
Right. Uh, so overall, man, I mean, I know we're, we're running a little behind here on the AEW segment, but I, I think it's time to really kind of do a state of the uh, union with AEW. It's been a few months now. Do you feel like it's improving? Because I felt like the commentary was better this week. The pacing was fine. Some of the builds they're doing right. The overall presentation seems like it's getting it's falling into line. Or, or do you feel like it's 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 not getting it's not as good as it should be. It's not evolving as fast as it should be. It's it's maybe even falling off. Like the you know, the women's division is a problem. There are there you know sometimes the pacing is good, sometimes it's bad. Some of these pushes are a little weird. Like why are some people getting pushed and not other people? Like we were saying, with Lucha Brothers, Sean Spears is in a weird place. A bunch of stuff like that. Darby Allen, um, kind of come and go. The, like the positioning of certain talent, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, and just the yeah the execution of some of their their storylines and uh, you know basically is their presentation good or bad? Like what where do you think AEW's at right now? Because I think an argument could be made either way. It could. And I think I've been pretty open and transparent about that I was going to give them a good 6 to 12 months before I really kind of levied judgment on certain things. So it's very much still in the experimental phase, and it kind of feels that way. We're still feeling things out. We're developing our first storylines that are going to go on for years to come, hopefully. You know, so all of this is still very much in flux. We've had a number of excellent pay-per-views. We've had a number of excellent feuds and title matches. Uh, we've had the introduction of the ring, which I thought was an interesting play. I'll give him credit for that. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of good. There's a lot, a lot of good. There's more good than bad. And if I, it's still not my favorite one to watch every week, but it's my second favorite. So I, I love watching this show, and I make a point to watch it first every week because mm. I and I DVR my favorite. So, mm. because I know my favorite's going to be awesome, but I want to watch this one live and be able to react to it with the fans, either on Twitter or with the rest of the phenomenal ones in Discord. Like, I, I am invested, personally right. invested, and of course, professionally as we do this show, but I mean, personally invested in the success of AEW. It does nothing but good things for the entire industry as a whole for it to succeed and to do well. And that's what really frustrates me when we look at things like the Nightmare Collective, like the women's division in general, uh, everything else seems to be hitting on all cylinders. We've got a little bit of thing going on with the Butcher and the Blade, and things are still getting worked out, but that's okay. We'll figure that right. stuff out as we go. The big, fundamental, foundational things like the women's division, right? You've got to get people invested in that, and it's not working yet, whatever, they're, right. whatever they've done so far. So, yes, looking back at AEW in the last October, uh, four, almost four months, it's been three months, guys. You know, it's it's not even fair to really have an opinion or a judgment on it right now. Give them time. Let's but yet, have this. Here we let's are. Have this. <laughs> here we and, are. We have I, to. I understand. We have to to an extent. But what I don't want people to take away is a binary. It sucks or it's amazing. Like there, right. there's no. It, it's not one or the other. It's a there's there's different strokes for different folks in the middle, and some people like the very marky style of. You know, the indies on big TV, which is kind of what AEW is tapping into with a little bit of AEW salt bait on there. But at the same – sorry, a little WWE salt yeah, bait on there. Um, but WWE is – it is it is what it is, and it's what we've always known it to be, and it's going to continue to be that for as long as Vince McMahon continues to sit in that chair. And that's not going to change. And, so what people, you're saying is – what you're yeah. saying is with AEW is that – 
it's, they're just getting started. You still have a lot of hope for a lot of the stuff. They're, it's hit or miss on some things, but overall, good. And what you would say is, overall, you are skeptically optimistic. Beat me to it. Yes, sir. I got you. I got you, buddy. Uh, so How about next you? Week, uh, no, I'm right there with you. It, yeah. You, you took the words out of my mouth. Next week, Bash at the Beach is happening. The number one contender match, Kenny and Hangman Page versus the Young Bucks versus the Best Friends versus PNP. Uh, proud and powerful. For the number one contender to the tag team titleship, I'm not sure why Best Friends are in this when they just lost to Jurassic Express this week, but whatever. Uh, we have Pac versus Darby Allen. Nice. Mm. Chris Statlander and Hikaru Shida look for revenge against Awesome Kong and Mel. MJF, Butcher and Blade versus Dustin Rhodes, QT Marshall, and DD Freakin' P. Uh, plus, Cody and Arn will give their response to MJF, something else they push back. So, big show next week. Yeah, and it's, a, it's a, the whole Bash at the Beach thing is supposed to be nine days. It's going to have two Dynamites. It's going to have the Jericho Cruise and yeah. the pay-per-view on the weekend. So, strap in, guys. This is going to be... This is going to be a big week in AEW, and I think a lot of things are going to get put into motion. You know, look at what we've got with the number one contender match. It's what four face teams. Yeah. So I, that's interesting. Um, and then we well, no, got... no 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 four, four four face teams. Hold on a second. Are what the, are the the Bucks? The Kenny, the best Kenny Hangman, Bucks, best friends, and Proud and Powerful. Are, are oh, I'm either. sorry. For some reason, I thought Private Party. Proud and Powerful. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're I, <laughs> they're my faves to win, frankly. Yeah. Uh, just because they are the heel. So yeah, so it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting few weeks of AEW. Uh, maybe we'll have to reassess again after the next couple of weeks, and we really see maybe the, their trajectory for the next year, Nick. But uh, that's not all that's happening on Wednesdays. It's a big day in wrestling, and we also need to discuss NXT. Well, kicking things off this week, first of all, I have to say I'm withholding my. Okay. Uh, Rhea Ripley. You okay uh, there, buddy? Yeah, this, you might have to carry this NXT because it's just all the memories are coming back here three days later. Oh, uh, yeah. NXT, NXT was Nick's show this week, guys. <laughs> I'll give you three guesses as to why. I only um, need two, one for each side. Uh, no, Nick, this, this week uh, we start off with Rhea Ripley in the ring celebrating her title win, which was the last thing that we saw was her demolishing finally conquering the animal the the monster that was Shayna Baszler giving her a top rope rip, or avalanche uh riptide to win the women's championship Rhea Ripley out there the crowd loves her uh she was celebrating but it was not to be for long because of course as with any such segments women have to come out and say that they are challenging that they want to throw their their hats if you will in the I ring. want the title. No, I want the title. No, I want, I want a, the title. No, I want a title shot. No, I want a title shot. Well, the first girl to come out and ask for a title shot was not one I think anybody expected because out came Tony Storm. Duh! And Nick had an aneurysm immediately. I, I didn't you know, because I was watching AEW and I had to watch it later and people were telling me. I was like, shut up. Immediately when you saw it, uh, when you saw her come out. It. When you saw it, the segment. Oh, you saw Tony yes. Storm come out. Just calm down. Don't try to get me in trouble. Um, so, yeah, out comes Tony Storm to say, hey, Rhea, uh, just so you know, um, I'm over here today, and uh, you're the champ, and I'm not, and I've beaten you twice in NXT UK. So how about giving me a title shot? 
And Rio's kind of like, all right, we'll go for it at Worlds Collide. How about that? But of course, that we couldn't just have it stay there. We had all kinds of other women come out. We had Kaylee Ray come out. She's the UK champ and say, um, I've beaten both of you. How about I have a shot? I'll become double champ. You had Io Shirai who came out, slapped the mic out of, uh, out of Kaylee Ray's hands, <laughs> picked it up and walked into the ring um, and said in Japanese, I'm the best person in NXT. I'm the best wrestler in NXT. Points at the belt and goes, mine. Out comes Bianca Belair to say, uh-uh, girl. Uh-uh. 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 I want a title shot. I can beat you. I can beat you. You don't even go here. Yeah, that was brilliant. Uh, this was a fun segment. And you've got, and then, of course, at the end, you got Candice LeRae come out and be like, hey, everybody. And Rhea's like, Candice, really? You too? Really? Really? She's like, <laughs> <laughs> Everybody else was doing it. Uh, ends in a big scuffle. We end up having uh, uh, like a six-woman tag match. It was yeah, the they, I guess they it. split off into sides. Tony, and- yeah, Regal, Regal made a spot decision. Was like, all right, Tony, Rhea, and Candice, you versus the heels, Bianca, Io, and Kaylee Ray. Cool, short, fun little match. Um, but uh, you know, it ended up with a, with a whole bunch of. Tom Foolery, Io Shirai, and Rhea, and uh, Bianca Belair get into it, which was interesting. <laughs> um, and Rhea Ripley ends up giving a, uh, a riptide to, to Bianca Belair for the pin. So, okay. We just saw a whole bunch of the female talent in NXT and somewhat in NXT UK. Because um, who knows what's going to happen with all of that after this weekend at NXT TakeOver Blackpool. What? Okay, we got a bunch of women here. Who do you see? Obviously, Tony's got the match that worlds collide. Who do you see being the first like feud out of all these women for Rhea? I, that's not a fair question. Or are you just still you're just still I'm so because on you're the Tony train Tony at this point oh because God. the best thing they could look if they if they have Tony eat the pen and Kaylee Ray retains, it's kind of a no brainer. But Bianca has proven she, I don't think she's up to the task. Uh, Io Shirai is the one that's the most interesting to me, but I don't know that we could have Asuka 2.0 this soon. Uh, especially going coming off of Shayna, we need to have a face champ for a long time. Uh, we need to we need to cleanse the palate a little bit, right? A decent <laughs> amount of time, maybe not a long time. Not, a, not forever. Decent, yeah, she Rhea should have a decent reign. I agree, which I think yes. should factor into any predictions anyone makes about the, her next uh, real feud. Is that person really can't win the feud? Yeah. And so there has to be someone who can afford to not win a top level feud. You know, I Bianca think it's gonna is going to be just, Tony. You think it's going to be well, but she's going to have one match. Do you think that she's going to turn heel and then we're going to have a long thing? I mean, I don't know. So the your answer Io to doesn't make sense. Uh, Bianca you, doesn't make sense. Candace doesn't make sense. Kaylee Ray doesn't make sense. Tony is the only one that kind of makes sense. So Nick's answer to everything at this point. Is 42. Give me Tony Storm, baby. Tony Storm, 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 Storm. Is that your answer? Wow. It's everything? What? Wow. Why? That was amazing. Thanks. Um, So maybe Tony Storm, she'll definitely have at least one match with Rhea Ripley. We know that at Worlds Collide. Yeah. But uh, beyond that, yeah, I'm I'm having a tough one too. Bianca Belair just lost a top-level feud with She just ain't the pin Wednesday. Candice is a face, um, Io Shirai, but do you do you throw away Io Shirai to that right now? I don't know. I don't know. 
Weird. We shall see. Uh, we also had the Dusty, Dusty Rhodes classic. Mm. Uh, the tag team classic. Uh, first round happened. Uh, first round match, Imperium versus Forgotten Sons. Who? <sighs> Forgotten Sons. Who? I don't know. I forgot. Because they lost to Imperium. They're out. Is this... Is this particularly egregious? Like, I know you're you're salty because your boys lost here, but is it particularly egregious because they're the they're one of the only like real tag teams in this whole tournament? <laughs> like, they're they were a tag team before the tournament in NXT, and they're losing first round. I know Imperium's a tag team, but they're in NXT UK, and they're one of the many like, NXT UK teams that had to be brought over to fill out this whole thing. Um, are you salty about Forgotten Sons losing first round because uh, they're an actual tag team or because they're just kind of being under youth? They're being forgotten again. Had also, why did, been, why did ha- Cutler cut his hair? I don't know. He went to the same barber as uh, Jimmy Uso. Um, I would not have been mad at this if it had been a semifinal or the final. I feel like the the way that the blocks were designed, like I, I again, like I've questioned several of the May Young Classic brackets uh, the way that they were, I don't know if they're lottery picks or if they're just designed to start that way. That feels like it should have been the best tag team in NXT versus the best tag team in NXT UK with all of these coming over. And whether it would have been Imperium or Gallus, I feel like Forgotten Sons have probably stepped up and picked up that mantle now that Street Profits, Viking Raiders, War Machine uh, have, have have moved on, right? So I, I I guess I'm curious why yeah it's especially salty and not for because of my markery for for Jackson Riker but because they took it to the they took it to the end the last tournament and they're gonna get knocked out in the first they're gonna get chumped by Imperium a foreign team chumped okay uh, in the a first round foreign team are you from oh, from the, the other brand from the other brand from the okay. other side of the world <laughs> this is our house son. You don't walk into our uh, house they, and beat us. Their whole thing is that they're a foreign, like if we are from Austria, we're, we're the European Union. I thought was what you thought you were going off on that. No, no, no. Just okay. you're going to have the UK brand <laughs> come over and chump us in our own place. Like I said, you're going to have, have these dirty Europeans come and beat the All American team. What kind of crap is this? Look, USA, they, USA. They could have bracketized this where you had the final at Worlds Collide. Those and it'd be a UK team versus the NXT team for all the marbles. You know, they could have had this be the final. You're going to have I these European why. espresso drinkers come over and beat them. Nonsense. <sighs> uh, he's saying it. I'm not. I. Oh my god. All right. Okay. So, so, but that's the thing, though, Nick. Don't you see? Don't you think this is going to be something that we revisit at Worlds Collide, perhaps? Because that's that's the next big thing that's coming up for NXT. And a lot of this feels to me like setting up for that. Yeah. And, and, and I, I say the best t- tag team still there. I, I, I take Undisputed Era for granted all the time <laughs> because they are yeah. easily the best. They're just so good. Um, and, and I just I, I don't even really like consider them anymore in a weird way because they're just a given. Right. It's just taken for granted completely on my part. But, I mean, that match with Gallus was amazing. Uh, it really it was a beautiful, it was a fantastic match. I mean, and, and got uh, even though Gallus did lose, it was because of outside interference. So it kind of protects them. They're having a big they're having a big match at, at Blackpool this this weekend. Right. So to me, it makes sense to not have them win this and have undisputed era go on. They were protected in this in the finish here. So I wasn't mad at it either. And it was a yeah, like you said, just two teams that can go. Here's what I want to understand. Is the Dusty Tag Team Classic 
Is it more akin to the breakout tournament that we just recently saw, or is it just blood sport where anybody from around the world can show up and fight? Anybody uh, in NXT that from around the world. You've got two brands. You've got uh, and I mean NXT and UK, and they're promoting an, uh, UK Blackpool for the weekend. Like, I'm not sure why this is why why where the, where the disconnects happening here but it all makes sense okay um you know it's it's anybody who's nxt plus they also had to fill it out with the uk teams because they don't have enough tag teams in regular nxt anymore no, no. so they had to fill it out so it, it it seemed to make sense to me but yeah undisputed era and uh imperium move on to the next round nick austin theory came out this week again uh last time it was roderick strong this time it was joaquin wilde um, this match was like watching ice cream get made. It was just smooth and creamy buttery the entire time. My uh, goodness. How good is Austin Theory? That dude, he's looking real jack, baby, too. He's, dude, he is the total package. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's just no question in my mind that that guy, barring some sort of, so like, so, barring any issues, uh, that, that guy is a, a future top, 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 top talent. And he's 23? What? Good lord. Good sweet lord. Um, Joaquin Wilde's a perfect uh, opponent for him, too, because they, yeah. they just meld together so well. Um, although, I'm sorry, but Austin Theory looks like a man next to Joaquin Wilde. Joaquin Wilde looks like he's just a boy living in Austin Theory's world, uh, he, as good as he is. We also had a match, uh, Mia Yim. Defeated Caden Carter, who's getting a little bit more TV time. Nice mm -hmm. seeing her on TV some, a little bit Very more. Nice. Uh, but then Mia Yim got taken out by Chelsea Green, who appears to be the first member of an up-and-coming stable led by Robbie E. from Impact, Robert Stone, as he's now known in NXT. Uh, interesting. So we're giving possibly Mia Yim something to do in the mid-card of the women's division here. And like, who else? Do you, who else is joining this stable? Like... I mean, maybe, maybe like a, a Tenara or who was uh, the who was the beautiful, whatever it is. Who was the guy in Lucha Underground that was the sort of used car salesman promo hype man? I can never remember his name. Famous B. Famous B. Thank you. And he had all the little used car videos and all that kind of stuff, right? Uh, that's what this kind of reminded me of with the old throwback suit, the big '80s, '70s, '80s glasses. Uh, that's what this reminded me of, and I absolutely loved it. I thought it was kind of great. I, I was I was sitting there laughing the whole time, listening to him. Talk. I'm like, this is going to be fantastic. Old school throwback manager. I mean, go back to Cornette with the tennis racket. I mean, th this could evolve into something, you know, along those lines. I'm not saying he's as good as that. I'm saying it reminded me of that. Yeah. So uh, th I love that kind of kitschy stuff uh, from managers. We haven't had enough good managers in the last couple of decades really yeah um and I, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back into some of that stuff i i always want to go back to Cornette and to paul bearer and and uh, uh heenan and things like that i always want to i want some more of that in my wrestling and this was a, a thing that i that's where my mind went when i saw him come out with chelsea green is chelsea the right one for him to represent yeah we'll see to be determined um but uh if she continues she got out there and messed up me am are we gonna have me am versus chelsea green not mad at that. Not mad at that at all. Not mad at that. I'm not again. I'm not mad at a a, a women's stable being formed of some sort. I mean, especially yeah. if they're doing it, possibly in response to the Nightmare Collective and being like, "Hey guys, we could do it better." Uh, all right, have fun. Do it better, yeah. please. 
Um, speaking of managers, I'm looking forward to Stokely Hathaway coming up too. So yeah, uh, hopefully some good managers coming out. Um, four, two, three, get fan. So, uh, we've also finally got our number one contenders match for Roderick Strong's North American championship. Got Keith Lee versus Damian priest versus, um, uh, I, I don't even remember who else was in this match. Dominic, Dominic Dijakovic and, uh, uh, good lord! I, I'm sorry, Keith Lee was in this match. What what else do I need to say? We didn't forget about Keith. That's for sure. We didn't forget about Keith, uh, but I did for, I did forget about Cameron Grimes, who You're ate right. like one of the most monstrous uh, spirit bomb power bombs at the end of this match from Keith Lee. Keith it, Lee almost throwing dudes into him. dudes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> throwing dudes into dudes. He is your number one uh, contender, Keith Lee, for Roderick Strong's North American Championship. All right, cool. Let's talk. First of all, of course, this match was a ton of fun. We knew that was going to happen. Everyone played their part. It was great. Uh, but how much of an afterthought did everyone else feel like with Keith Lee around? Like, before, you had, everyone had a promo leading up to this. And the only ones that really, I, the only person's promo who I thought really like, was there was Keith Lee. Dominic Dijakovic was like, no one's going to forget the name Dijakovic. Damian Priest is like, I'm going to live forever. Cameron Grimes is like, that's right, damn dirty boys going to learn who Cameron Grimes is. Don't you know I'm Cajun? Um, and Keith Lee was the only one that actually I thought had like a decent promo leading into this. And then even in the match, like Keith Lee was the whole show. Like, is everyone else kind of getting second shrift here a little bit? Yeah. And, and if so, and, and, is that their fault? Or, so. Rightfully no, so. So what? It's, I mean, it's, well, it's, it's the Keith show now, man. It really is. And, and they look, since he had that first moment where he popped up, and it's beside Finn Balor outside the ring. <laughs> oh, that has, was the it, moment? It's a meme now. It, it's absolutely a meme now. He's got a million of me. He pounced Adam he Cole did it into with the, the crowd. He did it with the Santa hat to Damian Priest, and he did it again this week when Priest and Dijakovic were facing off in the middle of the ring. He it's, just pops, rises up. Beside, it's a meme the God, now. It's, it's the his Godzilla, thing. The Godzilla like rise up thing is definitely becoming like his thing. <laughs> like, y'all forgot about Keith. Don't you forget about Keith because he's right there on the outside. He's going to come up like Godzilla. Uh, yeah. That- <laughs> <laughs> if he does that and just starts spitting fire. <laughs> oh, God. That was a really good Godzilla impression. Uh, <laughs> I do voiceover work. NickHowellVO.com. Can you do a Mothra? That's the question. No. Uh, so, all right. So, Keith's number one contender, but he's getting his match on TV. He's got in TV uh, the twenty second. So this is not going to be mean, at a uh, World's Collide. Uh, no, it's, on, it's supposed to be on TV's match. And so I was like, "Wait, what?" So is it going to is it going to be a feud? Is going to? I mean, because obviously Undisputed Era is going to get involved. And there's going to be shenanigans. Uh, if it's on TV, they're not going to have that title change hands. Lee's not getting it then. So wow, interest. All right, in- interesting. Um, so yeah, very curious what the thought is there and how they're going to go from there with that because I think everyone wants Keith to get this title or a title at this point. You know, the, the, the crowd is definitely on his side. You know what I say? Um, in Regal, we trust. Well, hands on, not, hands off the wheel. Uh, I, I trust Regal. Uh, let's, let's see what happens here. In the you set, kayfabe he, here? What? Are you in kayfabe here? There's a lot of guys who book this, not just Regal. Oh, I understand. But, I mean, at the same time, does he does it, if shenanigan re-ensues, 
does he come out and from his little crow's nest to go stop it <laughs> it's now a lumberjack match you know just it turns right. it into something crazy right sure I, I don't know but uh let's let's see what happens in regal we trust and yes i think everybody on the planet wants keith lee to have this championship after this match or or just a oh, championship just give him yeah. something you know yeah I, I i hope they find a way to navigate him to it here's uh, here's the- nick's crazy prediction uh-oh. Keith Lee will be facing whoever it is for the NXT Championship at WrestleMania. That's a fairly wild prediction. I'm not going to completely crap on it because it's not outside of the realm of possibility. He is one of the hottest properties they have right now, at least in yep. terms of his hype. So, uh, other But other hot people they got, man, they got Johnny Gargano and Finn Balor, who both cut promos this week. and they're out, Johnny was out in the ring. Finn was out in the ring. They had a little face down. Looks like they're going to be meeting uh, in Portland, Oregon at their uh, upcoming takeover. Also, Tommaso Ciampa says uh, Adam Cole took his life. He wants it back in reference to Goldie, the championship. Looks like they'll probably have a match at Portland. That promo was fire, by the way. Oh, Ciampa's a great promo. Absolutely. So there's all those guys that are, I, I would say, you know, they've been around a little longer. I mean, Balor, Nick, I hate to tell you, Balor is much more likely to have a title match on WrestleMania weekend than Keith Lee. I've Keith Lee maybe for the North American Championship, not the championship. I'm telling you right now. But uh, we also had some announcements about the Dusty Dusty Tag Championship Classic Rhodes finale thing, Daddy. Next week we've got uh, what do they call them? The Broser Weights. Matt Riddle huh? cut a Matt Riddle cut a promo oh. uh, where he's describing how he and and Pete Dunn got together to become a tag team, how that worked out. Here's what's great about this is that I know that I've heard they actually recorded this twice. They had a scripted promo they wanted Matt Riddle to do. And Matt was like, I don't like this. I want to do it my way. And Triple H essentially said, you know what? Hey, dude, cool. Do one, do a take your way, do a take our way. We'll pick whichever one comes across better. And they picked the one that Matt Riddle wanted to do. They picked his way. And that's what we got was him being like, I went up to Keith. Keith did his Keith thing, I went, bro. Or he Pete. went, Pete, yeah. I, he, I was like, bro. He was like, hey. He was like, want to be a tag team? He was like, he was like ugh. And that's how the broserweights were born, bro. Yep. I'm a bro. You're a bruiserweight. The broserweights. Yeah. So that just Matt Riddle in a nutshell. Fantastic. Uh, that was a lot of fun. But for me... The big takeaway was we. It was revealed who Kushida's partner will be, and it was somebody that nobody saw coming. Nobody. We probably should have. We probably should have seen it coming, but th- I, I, I didn't even know this guy was involved with NXT. Me Alex either. Shelley, Alex Shelley. If that name does not ring a bell, then I got a lot of uh, New Japan matches for you to watch where he was tagged up with with Kushida and they were just kicking seven sorts of ass. Uh, this is brilliant. They, they, they were called the Time Splitters, and they are reforming the Time Splitters in NXT in the Dusty Tag Team Classic, which, I'm sorry, they're now my favorites to win this damn thing. We were saying the tag division was was thin. These guys, uh, when you see them go... You know, if I, if I had a nitpick, Nick, and this is a, just a nitpick, and this is, uh, this is more just me hoping that NXT knows how to present these guys in a way that will not have this become a problem okay and that is that there is a difference between charisma and personality yes and shelly and kushida have charisma 
just out out the eye holes, like just overwhelming, incredible charisma. But they don't really have a whole lot of personality. Like Kushida's whole gimmick is just I'm literally Marty McFly. That's it. Makes and, about as much sense as Emmy Sakura being Freddie Mercury. Uh, I'd say he sells it better. Sure. But the the thing is, is that at the end of the day, that's not that's not really a personality. That's just a costume. Right. And you've got to have more going on there. Um, it's one reason why you know Vince would would give people these ridiculous gimmicks was he knew that there had to be something to latch onto. And in the best case scenario, the performer, you know, makes that personality work. Um, the problem with Vince was always that he would just give random, you know, he'd just be like, ah, just put on this costume and not look at who the person actually was. And every once in a while, you'd have something miraculously work out like, you know, Mark Calloway and The Undertaker. And then you, on the other side of it, you'd have, uh, you know, uh, Terry being the, the, the red red rooster. Hey, he did the best he could with Repo Man. You leave Repo Man alone. Hurricane. He wanted to be the hurricane. That's another terrible example. How about Dusty Rose in the in the polka dots? He made it work, but still, sure. You know, like just only Dusty know, could have gotten that. Uh, <laughs> Isaac D. Yankum DDS. Obviously, that's yeah. not the best way to 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 have Glenn Jacobs be presented. Right. Okay. But the bottom line is what I'm saying here is that I worry that Kushida and Alex Shelley aren't going to connect with the audience enough because they don't have personality the way that a WWE crowd wants to see personality, if that makes sense. Um, like I, I think back to the like one of the greatest times that someone went from zero to holy shit over, Cedric Alexander in the Cruiserweight uh, Classic against Kota Ibushi where he showed off so much personality. Like, it wasn't just charisma. It was personality in that match, right? Yeah. So that's the thing that I'm worried about with Alex Shelley and Kushida. They're, as, they've got all the talent in the world. They're some of the most talented guys in the world. Incredible tag team. But one of the reasons why Undisputed Era gets over, personality, right? Kyle O'Reilly playing his guitar, uh, all the spatial expressions. Bobby Fish just slimy. Like, that's personality. It's different. It's beyond charisma. So that's... It's a nitpick. I want to put that out there. It's a nitpick, but it's something that I'm, I worry about with Kushida and Alex Shelley. The only thing I worry about. Aside from that, they're golden. Yeah. So. How long, is this just a one-off? Is this going to be a, an ongoing tag team? Or is, are I they hope doing so. this for the Dusty Classic? I hope this is ongoing just because I don't know where else they're going to put Kushida. Yeah. I don't know what else they're going to have him do right now. You know, Have him be a tag team for a while and, and see where else he ends up. Yeah. So. Yeah, he I mean, he can do anything. Kushida can literally do anything you want him to do. So, have been a tag team for a while. Why not? Uh, Nick, there's more NXT we have to talk about. Yes. That's because this weekend we are having a pay-per-view. What? Well, it's not for NXT, it's for NXT UK. Oh, yeah. So, let's, let's go talk about NXT UK Blackpool. Quick rundown of the card and what we've got look to look forward to tomorrow. I believe it is. It's not tonight, is it? It's tomorrow. I don't know. Tomorrow, yes, yeah, Sunday. I don't know what day the it 12th. is. Twelfth. Yeah, it's it's Saturday. The so it's the twelfth. Yeah. I don't know where okay. I am. I just it's I just tomorrow. go where my my clock tells me to go. <laughs> uh, uh, NXT Blackpool two. NXT yes. UK Blackpool two. Let me make there it is. NXT UK takeover takeover NXT UK Blackpool two. There, I got it. Viking War Raiders Machine experience. experience. <laughs> uh, so only five, five 
five matches on this card, which is about right for a takeover. That's that's yeah. the magic. That seems to be the magic number. And some pretty like on paper, some pretty good ones. Tyler Bate versus Jordan Devlin. That's I'm looking forward to that one. I've seen that match a few times. And I'm looking forward to that one. That's going to be a banger. A banger. Trent Seven versus the newly healed Eddie Dennis. He's Eddie Dennis has been out with injury way too much. People yeah. people for people speak about Keith Lee. People forget about Eddie Dennis. That dude can go, and him and Trent Seven are a great matchup. They know each other really well. That's going to be a really fun match. Both of those are basically like Devlin and Dennis want to get back in the game. I have a feeling they're going to do it on the backs of Bait and Seven, who I don't know how much longer they're going to be in NXT UK before they get brought over to NXT proper. Yeah, to be honest with you, I, I, I could see Seven sticking around, but Bait might be coming over ASAP. Um, especially if Tony Storm's coming over. I don't know. We've got the women's championship triple threat: Kaylee Ray, who is currently the champion, versus your girl Tony Storm versus Piper Niven. Dark horse on this one. I um, think she's winning it. Piper. You think that only because you want Tony to have nothing else to do in NXT nope. UK and to come over and face Rhea. She's been getting a push, uh, and, and I think it pays that off too, but it's uh, she's been getting a push. She's been much more active on both the show and on social media. And think, I'm seeing a, a resurgence of Piper Niven. So let's. I, I, she's my pick. She's my dark horse pick to, to win it off of Kaylee Ray. The only reason I could see her not winning it is health reasons. Yeah. Um, she has had some health scares recently. She had a bout with Bell's palsy. Um, and if they're worried about that, they will minimize her action in this in this match. I think uh, it'll be very telling after tomorrow night. Uh, but if yeah, if she if she's the one that eats the pin and Kaylee Ray retains, I think it still plays out the same way. I think Tony does ultimately come over. I, I think we are we've seen Walter come over. The one guy that said he would never come over is now coming over. So yeah, I, for a tour, for a tour, they paid him some good money to come over and and get be the first person eliminated out of the Survivor Series match. So you know, <laughs> let's it's not it's not that big of a thing yet. Mm, but okay. I I don't know. I, I this is definitely a tough pick. I, I I don't know. I don't know here. Kaylee, I could even see Kaylee retaining. Yeah, know. me too. Uh, the UK Tag Championship. This is a ladder match. This is also my pick to be the the match of the night. Uh, Gallus, which is of course Mark Coffey and Wolf, Wolfgang, Wolf. who are the champs, versus Fabian Eichner and Marcel Barthel, Imperium, versus the grizzled young veterans Zach Gibson and James Drake. That's my pick. Versus versus Mark Andrews and Flash, Morgan Webster. Um, yeah, this is anybody's game, dude. I don't I don't have this any is, shoes, but I would I would hold up a shoe. Uh, Zach Gibson, totally all the way. Uh, really think, again? Yeah, I think Grizzled Young Vets are going to win this. You don't think you don't think it's Imperium's time? No. Um, I, Strap if anything, them all. If anything, Gallus could retain here. Um, I, I think Coffee and Wolfgang are, are very strong right now, and it's got to be somebody that's I don't. And Imperium doing the Dusty Classic? Are they? You know, again, you say it's a tour. I'm getting the impression it's more long term. So that may not have been established yet, but I'm seeing a sort of melding, like they're harvesting talent from the UK brand to bring over yeah. to fill in uh, the, the stateside brand. Yeah. I, I'm thinking, yeah, I'm thinking Imperium is going to be a big part of that. So Maybe, I, yeah. I, I don't know that they're going to strap Imperium here. They're going to probably, we're ultimately probably going to end up, I, don't, I haven't seen the bracket recently, but Imperium versus UE for the final in the Dusty Classic. Keep no, I, 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 I see Time Splitters beating UE in a, in a shock upset. Okay, and maybe getting Imperium versus Time Splitters. I'm not sure, but uh, I will say this: that I could because Gallus just laid down 
for Undisputed Era this week, I could see them retaining here just as a, as a get back. Yeah. So throwing that out there. Uh, that's oh, not wow. The only okay, I'm sorry. Grizzled Young Vets and Galliser and Imperium are all in the Dusty Classic. I just Correct. I didn't realize Grizzled Young Vets were also in the Classic. Yeah. So at this at this point, you could have the NXT UK Tag Team Championships come back into the tournament because, you know, Mark Andrews, Flash Morgan Webster could win it and show up next week with the titles. Uh, Imperium could show up in the next round with the titles. Or Grizzled Young Vets could show up next week with the titles. Anyone else who wins them, so interesting interesting yep. stuff not the only coffee on the show though joe coffee has a match with volta i'm a little disappointed i thought this was going to be Ilya dragonov but they're dragging off that story out a little bit longer <laughs> um so yeah this is basically going to be volter and joe coffee having a big boy match and coffee's going to lose mm. straight, straight up period no doubt in my mind this is not coffee's time this is not volter's time to lose the damn title either no you can't you can't go a, nearly an hour with Tyler Bate in that war and then lose in the next pay-per-view to Joe Coffey. It's not happening. No. Uh, sorry. No. But it should be a pretty solid show, I think. That's a, that's, a, that's a solid card. Lots of good good graps, good wrestling. And a ladder, a tag team ladder match. Are you kidding uh, me? Uh, uh, sold. Uh, in. Uh, uh, I don't even care who's in it. T- sign me up. <laughs> well, but especially those guys. Yeah, especially. especially. All those guys. Oh, my goodness. Uh, well, that yeah. So, looking forward to NXT UK Blackpool, but Nick, we're not nope, done. You missed it again. NXT UK Takeover take Blackpool over. Two. There you go. Yeah. Ha ha. Takes me a while, but I get it. Uh, that's not the only thing that is going on this week, Nick. We have one more big show to get to, and this one's going to be tough, man. I was really, I really hated the show this week. This is. I'm going to mm, stay in positive. Let's go talk about Friday Night SmackDown. We open up SmackDown with an episode of Miz TV, which why does he still have a TV show? We don't know, but we just kind of go with it. And out comes John Morrison. Yeah. Uh, I thought they were going to debut him at the Rumble. According to him, they were going to as well. In Miz, the Miz TV segment, he even says, I was supposed to come out at the Rumble being drawn to the to the ring on a, on a sled led by a pack of Pomeranians. Small dogs only because there's only one big dog on the show. Right. Which is a cute <laughs> line. Um, but, yeah, so I, I think that that might have been a little bit of a shoot. Like, he was probably supposed to come back at the Rumble because that's kind of, you know, he's... He's parkour man. Like, he's uh, avoid elimination at the Rumble man. Like, that's kind of his thing. But I guess they brought him back early to help with this Miz angle, this Miz feud, turning Miz heel, which honestly, given the history of Miz and Morrison, I'm not mad at it. I didn't like the cameo last week. I thought it was a, a subpar reintroduction. But this week, I thought he got a really good introduction. Miz just putting him over huge, having the whole entrance with the pyro. Like, this was a good comeback for Morrison. The problem was then we had to have him talk for the rest of, the, of, of like two or three segments. And he's fine. He's just not great on the mic. Yeah. And that's not his strength. His strength is insane athletics in the ring. Springboard moonsaults off of his legs. You know, just stuff we saw him do in Lucha Underground. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So we had to go through this whole bit where we've got Miz TV and Miz and Morrison are trashing Kofi. They start trashing the crowd. Morrison saying, I can't believe you guys don't believe in Miz. He has one off week. You start saying he sucks. You guys suck. You guys couldn't be in the ring. This fat guy here in the front row, he couldn't be in the ring with me, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And out come 
Kofi and Big E from New Day to be like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't you be dissing our peeps in the crowd. Wait, that's Christian. Christian's peeps. Our people in the crowd. Uh, you know, that's, that's just the wrong thing to do. We're going to come in the ring and, and tell you what for. And they did. And Miz and Kofi started going back and forth on the mic again. With Miz calling out Kofi for supposedly giving a crap about this, you know, champion. Like, I respected you when you had the championship. You made it respectable, and you lost it in six seconds and didn't seem to give a crap about it. And Kofi just goes, oh, I lost it in eight seconds. Actually, it was eight seconds. And doesn't say anything else about it. It still doesn't explain anything else about it. doesn't say he wasn't cool about it. it was, I thought it was interesting. Um, and this all, of course, ends in a Kofi-Miz match that gets started for apparently no reason. Like, it was already going to happen or something. And so, wait, why have all this? Whatever. Hashtag WWE logic, along with hashtag WWE logic. Let's put Jim John Morrison on commentary for this whole bit, which is opposite also not his Big E. I was just opposite Big E, one of the best talkers in the company. What? What? What are you thinking? This didn't get good until there was physicality, and then all, then all of a sudden Big E and and John were in the corner, the respective corners, and of course at some point there were shenanigans, and Morrison does an awesome like parkour flippy thing on the big off the stairs because of course he does and finally we get some john morrison physicality and you could see the crowd people in the crowd go oh when he did it because and he did it in boots and a leather coat wait till that dude right. gets his ring gear on and he and miz walk off standing tall so his, his new inevitable johnny smackdown ring gear <laughs> right so miz gets a skull crushing finale and during the distraction he and morrison walk off triumphant why do you feel like like oh so I maybe this is rhetorical, Nick, but the strengths of this segment were like were were was frankly Miz calling out Kofi, but the the script writing of that whole part was terrible, was was laughable, uh, like just no real goals to any to any of the characters, like no one had anything that they really wanted, um. And then ultimately, the match that gets put together for no reason. And the entire time, instead of trying to get John Morrison over by showing off how freaking insane he is physically, we try to have him work the mic instead. And it's only at the end, the very end, we get a little flash of the physicality. Why do you think they set this up this way? Uh, to save it. Uh, in, let's, not, okay. let's not throw everything out there that we all know John Johnny Impact, Johnny... Johnny Lucha, Johnny everybody everywhere. Johnny Mundo, Johnny Johnny, Mundo. Johnny yeah. Impact, yeah. Johnny SmackDown can do some really badass stuff. Yes, and he can. I can't wait to see it on the main roster. I hope they let him do that kind of stuff. Um, but to be determined, and frankly, I'm fine with keeping a little bit of it in the tank for right now and giving us a little little teaser of it. Fair enough. Fair enough. I I just I guess just my nitpick is there was too much of him trying to talk and not enough of it yet. Well, Biggie but, checked him right. in the right spot. My favorite thing of the whole commentary bit between the two of them was. The fiend attacked Ms. Morrison's going on about. It. The fiend attacked Mrs. Family. Don't you have a family, Biggie? Wouldn't you do anything you could if if you? Nope, no family. I'm good. <laughs> Just like very well, that, matter of fact, Biggie shut him down. I was like, oh. But okay. that's also that's a bit of a problem right there too. Is that like if they're riffing, if they're trying to do some some improv, one of the worst things you can do is is shut someone down like that. Yeah. In an like in an improv situation. Nicholas Yates uh, with the five bucks in the tip jar. Thank you very much, sir. Oh, much thank you, sir. Thank you very much. Awesome. Thank you. Um, so, okay, maybe maybe you're right. Maybe maybe I should wait and see. I definitely am expecting a stunt off at the Royal Rumble, like a like a who can avoid being eliminated 
more crazily than Kofi or John Morrison, that's going to be a ton of fun. And maybe that's what they're building towards. And if so, I'll, I'll eat my words. But uh, this, this definitely, I thought this whole segment could have been, could have been better. Nuggets of gold, but in general, kind of crap. Yep. Uh, the, main, the main thing on the show, the main event, was the Usos coming out versus Corbin and Dolph Ziggler. Roman Reigns saying, ah, oh, my boys, my, my cousins are back, and um, yay, we're united. Big promo against- about family. Yeah. Yay. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yay. Mixed feelings on family. Big E. Nope, no family. Uso's family. Yay. Whatever. I don't, I don't watch wrestling for family. Oh, my goodness. I wanna, really? I see, yeah. Like, unless no. it's, unless it's you know, what The Fiend did to Miz by going in and, you know, putting voodoo dolls and crazy dolls of Daniel Bryan's hair in, uh, in the baby crib. Yeah, you have my... Or, no, I guess he just had it in the funhouse, didn't he? Uh, anyway, uh, the highlight of weird, this... Weird thing to say. Don't watch wrestling for family. <laughs> it's a weird thing to say. I, I don't watch wrestling for family. Well, Who this I thought wrestling was... wrestling for family? I... Sometimes I do if if it's engaging enough. Okay, you can absolutely. You're you're weird. Uh, so this was this was this was a. It was fine, and I thought that it was heartfelt for at least some of it because obviously they legit are family. They obviously love being in the ring together, right. the three of them. Roman leaves. Usos versus Corbin and Ziggler. Fine, um, but then of course things break down. The revival come out for some freaking reason. They're part of Corbin's court, I guess, according to the commentary. And get involved, which brings out Roman Reigns, who takes out both the revival, comes down to the ring, and decides that he's going to regulate. And by regulate, he's going to get his cousins disqualified by spearing Corbin on the outside. All right. Yes. Way to way to say, way to stand up for your family by getting him DQ'd in their in their return match. Good job, big dog. Yeah. Uh, but then, as they're all trying to put the straps to Corbin here, who should come out? But Bobby Roode. Bobby Roode. Bobby Roode. He's looking, back. Uh, looking what I would say is looking a little... He shredded? De- deflated like a like Simon Gotch over on MLW, but he's a little more trimmed up. He's a little he's, more spelt. He's pretty, he's, he's pretty shredded, my friend. He's lost some of his girth. girth. His girthiness? Yeah. Uh, you know, like he's taking a month off. He was relaxing. He just, yeah. you know... I'm just, he, just, he ate right. I'll tell you what. That guy hasn't seen a carb in, in 50 years. Taking his probiotics, that's for he sure. He hasn't seen a carb since before he was born. <laughs> He's taking his probiotics. <laughs> Dude, I don't even know if he drinks water. Good Lord. Uh, that guy has a, has a lipid layer of like a .02 millimeters. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, but anyway, Bobby Roode's back. As we suspected, he's going to get involved in this. We're going to have three-on-three in this feud. That's really all I'd say about this, other than Roman Reigns and Baron Corbin uh, said that they want to have a singles match as well as be in the Rumble as well, which I didn't know you could do that, but apparently you can call your own shot in WWE when you're King of the Ring and or the Big Dog. So we're gonna have we're gonna have not one but two Roman and Corbin confrontations at Royal Rumble. Oh, Nick, it's it's like it's my birthday all over again. No, that was oh. that was last weekend with with Wrestle Kingdom. That it's that's all. It's all downhill from here. <laughs> Are you saying that the Royal Rumble will not be as good as Wrestle Kingdom this year, Nick? I am, in fact, saying that. Heresy. Indeed. Heresy. <laughs> Nonsense. 
You've turned me into a new Japan mark, Ian. <laughs> Sir Ian Dangerous. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha, come to the dark side, son. <laughs> we have wrestling here. Okay, so that, uh, fine. Th- this was actually all, you know, as far as WWE is concerned, pretty entertaining stuff, like given all the pieces. But it's starting to feel a little bit repetitive. Um, is, is, is having the Usos and Rude in here to kind of like spice it up a little bit, is that engaging or is that just kind of, you know, playing fiddles on the Titanic? I mean, a little over a year ago, we had Corbin with uh, Ziggler and... McIntyre, McIntyre. Or, or, was, or was it like, McIntyre can, can, and, and can Baron Corp and then Braun Strowman joined him for a minute and then they realized yeah. the error in their ways there but it, it's can Corbin not be on his own I mean no I <laughs> uh, Seth Seth can't be a heel on his own either have you noticed like they, they're not good at having solo heels unless it's Brock and the, even he's not whole solo he's got Paul there's only so many plays in the playbook, it seems, when it comes to Roman Reigns and Baron Corbin, and hell, even Seth at this point. Like that's this is the third version of Seth, that fourth, I guess, if you count the Shield. But it's it's kind of like, yeah, we're gonna start getting a little bit repetitive because, I mean, that's WWE. They just replay right. the same hits over and over again, right? Well, yeah. And speaking of heels that can't be alone, and things are starting to get repetitive. Shinsuke Nakamura. Has a match with Braun Strowman last week. Braun ate a Kinshasa after a match with Cesaro, which he won. But this time, Braun did not eat a Kinshasa. In fact, despite the best efforts of Cesaro and Sami Zayn, Braun pinned the Intercontinental Champion. But it wasn't for the belt, Nick, so it's okay. Uh, All right, so let's deconstruct this. First of all, Sammy Castro. I want to talk about that. Sammy (laughs) Castro. I hey, it works for him, man. It yeah. works. It, it's working. Looking like uh, like like Fidel Castro, like Che Guevara. <laughs> sure, all right, Rev- like fake revolutionary kind of thing. Like that's right, that's right. perfect for his current gimmick. But uh, it's a little I, weird with his Syrian background and the. I get it though. It's well, fun. let's not get too serious about it. Yeah. But the, the the point is, is like you've got Nakamura, Sami Zayn, Cesaro, three guys, two of whom at one point were really something special. And another guy who had all the potential in the world, and they never pulled the trigger. Yeah. What an interesting case study of how WWE works. Sammy Cesaro and, and Shinsuke. Good point. All in the and uh, opposite them, a guy who should have been the biggest thing in their company a year and a half, two years ago, and they fumbled it. And now he still feel everyone likes him. Still, everyone's like, "Hey, Raw, Braun, Rrr. but they're also they're like, he's not. Yeah. He's just kind of there, right? He's 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 just an attraction. We so, need Braun to flip something again to remind us. You know, it's they, they they need to bring the monster back when he was going against. Was it Shane and he tore apart the Camaro and then they flipped over the TV truck and like stuff like that. Strength it got him over. It got him yeah. over in a big way, and I feel like that we've lost that. And this was a boring AF match. And I'm sorry, it's Shinsuke, man. I, and I hate to say that, but if we, if we look at the run he had in NXT and his run in New Japan, oh my God, how could you even fathom that this was possible? But it, it's Shinsuke. Are you saying Shinsuke's the problem? Yeah. What? No, no, yeah. no. No, 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 no. no, no, no. Or, or what they're doing with him is the problem. Okay, it's, there it's you go. completely meaningless. 
I, I am in he, no way invested in the Intercontinental title or, if anything, to get it off of him and onto somebody that I am invested in, in Braun Strowman. To be clear, I mean, he did have a reputation for phoning it in during New Japan tag matches. He did have a few matches in NXT that were fine. They weren't like mind-blowing, but he had a couple of good ones. Part of it, what, what was crazy about Shinsuke is they demystified him so quickly. And there's nothing still mystifying about him. They, they still don't sell him well for everything that he can do and all of his tools that he has. They still don't present him properly. And, you know, he's a guy that, yes, he's definitely in WWE to take it easy um, and not get his ass kicked like he used to back in New Japan where he was yeah. one of the strongest strikers that they had. Um, so he's here to take it easy a little bit. But at the same time, with the tools that he has... You should be able to, as an agent, craft an interesting match with them. And I thought this was actually above average, this match. This, this was one of, in my, I thought, one of the better moments on the show with this match. But that, I think, says more about the show than it does the match. Um, but at the same time, like if it's just him and Braun in the ring, he's got a lot more experience with Braun, and it definitely felt a lot like Braun was getting a lot of... Like Shinsuke was, was feeding a lot to Braun. Oh, sure. Match, as he kind of should. I completely agree with that. Um, but again, there's nothing here that I put and say is it's all Shinsuke's fault. It's it's not. It is his presentation, 100. Yeah. His entrance is still. I think it's kind of cool. It's not as cool as it was, but still kind of cool. I think it's interesting that they have um, it's like a concert hall VR graphic or what is it? Alt, uh, alternate uh, altered reality. What's it called? You're the o tech augmented guy. reality. Augmented reality. It's a concert hall ceiling. They put a ceiling on the place for his entrance, which is. Weird, I'm trying to make him like a rock star thing, I guess. But um, I think you hit on something I that I want to go back to for a second: the mystical side of, of Shinsuke Nakamura. And I think they effed that up when they changed his mystique. Mystique, not that he's mystical, not that mystique. he's like magical. His mystique. Um, yeah. They they effed that up when they changed his theme song when he turned heel on AJ, and it's turned into a rap song. And the you had the whole crowd chanting. Oh, you had everybody doing that, right? And there was really you really didn't know who this guy was, but you knew he was like Japanese prince. Like he was going to come out and, you know, he wore all the crazy outfits and he had the big grandiose entrance and everything and he got in the ring and he'd need your head off. And that was Shinsuke Nakamura. And that's gone. They've they've completely effed that up. And I now I don't know what to do with him. Even as someone that wears tinfoil hats and does crazy fantasy booking, I have no idea what to do with Shinsuke anymore. So that's my predicament that I'm in. I'm, I'm all in on Braun. We know exactly what Braun is. But now with him winning this and then possibly, I mean, it's looking like we're going to get Braun versus Shinsuke at Royal Rumble, I yes. think. Um, I'll book that. But at the same time, should Braun win and yeah. become the Intercontinental Champion? Because then what do you do with Sammy's little faction? It's and then what do you do with Braun Strowman as the, as the uh, Intercontinental Champion? I don't champ? know. Send Cesaro after him for a bit or something. I, I, you could do something else, but uh, we need a pause on Shinsuke Nakamura in a way that gives us let, – lets us remind ourselves about how awesome he really is. And I mean, they, that's, that's whether a, that's a repackage or whether that's something going up, just we need – right now it's just stagnant. And so, so isn't the Intercontinental Championship, and I, that's the part I hate the most. So let's put it on Braun. Let's have some fun for a few months. Let's get to Mania. Let's see how we get there. But, yeah, you just can't leave this thing sitting there stagnant on Shinsuke anymore. you got to figure yeah. something out.
Yeah. Uh, figuring something out is something they have to do with their women's division, too. Good Lord. Uh, Sasha Banks no-shows Lacey Evans for a match. She gets Bailey on the Titantron instead, who very awkwardly says, ha-ha, Sasha's not here, and I'm backstage because I have to be. So there. And uh, Lacey Evans, I mean, Bailey said it, but I'll take the words out of Bailey's mouth, basically panders to the Midwest crowd, um, says, well, I'm an all... I'm basically says I'm all American and you guys aren't American and yeah, I'm gonna get you because mm, even gets the crowd chanting USA, USA. Um, and then eventually runs backstage to go fight did, Bailey. Did we somehow figure out how to get foreigner heat on Sasha Banks? <laughs> like how? Yeah, foreigner heat on foreigner heat on Sasha Banks and Bailey. I mean, kind of. It was more that I think I think that everyone's just like, yeah, she's a marine, USA. Uh, goes back, tries to fight Bailey. Bailey scampers away. Um, Not mad at Lacey being a face. To be honest with you, Nick, this is the way the they rest- should have debuted her. It's fantastic. I love Lacey's work here. Uh, agreed. She I, actually the fact that she's so organically become a face shows how right that is for her. Yeah. Um, the crowd has totally accepted it pretty quickly too. Um, where she went from just being like the shittiest of shit heels to mom, ex-military, you know, it white writes meat, itself. Mid Midwest baby face. Yeah, exactly. The problem here is that Bailey's performance sucks. She's a terrible champ right now. Um, it's not believable as the champ, frankly. Her her character work is is all over the place. Sasha's not even there, and Sasha doesn't even feel like a big deal when she is there. No. And that's a problem when some of the top women in your division don't feel like a big deal. And it's something that's, again, just like with Shinsuke, it's something that they have to fix because it undercuts the characters and it undercuts the whole presentation when you see these people and you don't go, ooh, there's Bailey. You just kind of go, oh, Bailey. Or I mean, think about when you've this got Lacey the Evans lens. and Dana Brooke outshining and out popping. Your champion and Sasha Banks. Hello. Got problems. Got problems. Anybody so, home? You know, and this is actually something, <laughs> McFly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and this is, I think, something that <laughs> that needs to be really seriously looked at. Is as far as their presentation, like, like how do we continue to make these people feel special? Yeah. In some way. Um. And it, you can be special even while being exposed at like being out there every week. Like, is a way to keep people special, but it's just doesn't seem to be happening right now on SmackDown. This was hey, this was pain, pretty painful. We said it back uh, SummerSlam time frame on the show when they turned Bailey. I'm like, that's a commitment. You just tore down everything that made Bailey Bailey. I hope you're all in. I hope you've got a plan. Oof. As much they, as, they, as they've proven that they do not have a plan, in fact. And they're just kind of ad hoc winging it, and it's showing. It sucks. I still put some of it at the feet of Bailey, who I just don't think understands how to be a good heel. I agree. Just the performance is just not there. Um, however, Mandy, Mandy, this is the, and, this is and the Otis, best thing on SmackDown right now. Oh, I knew you were going to say that too. This, this is so I the best knew thing on you're SmackDown. Mandy, you notice? Well, Mandy oh. baked Otis a cake to say I'm sorry. For uh, letting Dolph Ziggler step on his mom's fruitcake. It even had a if little dozer on it. Did you see? If you saw a little plastic dozer, yes, it's very wholesome. Uh, if you if you were someone who never watches wrestling and you watch this SmackDown, you'd never watch wrestling again. I swear <laughs> to God. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. That's their that's their women's champ. That's what the hell is going on? Um, and we haven't even gotten to the Daniel Bryan stuff yet. Oh Lord! 
Yeah, oh, the, the women's champion is Karen from the grocery store that's yelling at the cash register attendant, you know? Jesus Christ. Well, okay, so at least the Mandy and Otis bit had some fun moments. Uh, Mandy had a match with, um, excuse me, Alexa Bliss, which was, frankly, one of the worst worked women's matches I've seen in years, it in, in months, in months. It was not good. It was a regurgitation of what they've been doing, and Mandy yelling at her like, hey, you'll never be as pretty as me, and just, oh, God, just See, stop with that shit. The quote-unquote wrestling was minimal. This looked like a divas match. Uh, you yeah. know, hair, you, down to, there was hair pulling. There was just slapping. Um, the best thing that you got was a drop toe hold at one point. Uh, I, I, I watched this with, uh, with Judith Brooke, you know, ex-pro wrestler and she was just like beside herself with this match she was like ready to throw things at the tv it drove it drove her nuts to watch women's wrestling be this garbage at least thank god in the middle of it it was interrupted by otis who came out with his cake to show mandy that he liked his cake he decided to come out tuck her behind him like what are you doing comes out to show her how much he likes the cake so he starts just shoving it into his face and eating it rubbing it on his belly just hand in the middle of, of the cake. match i love it and giving her a tongue move that I swear to God might have been the most disturbing thing I've ever seen that man do. And I've seen that man rub cake on his big exposed belly. Yeah. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> My Lord, somebody put a, put a leash on him. Otis Dozovich, how do I love thee? Let me count the ways. Oh. And he even held his little toy dozer out. To show her that. how much he appreciated it. That might I didn't see that part. Banner I was, this week. I'm just. I'm saying. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. Um, I was too busy covering my eyes, trying to not see the, the tongue. <laughs> and even Tucker eventually, Tucker even comes around and like gives a run of the finger of icing and takes a takes a little nip at it. Oh God, this is so good. Like who cares about Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross anymore? Oh God, I, I that's a, that is a very good point. I didn't care about them at the end of this match. Um, I didn't care that that Sonya Deville and Nikki Cross got into it at the at the end of this match. I didn't care like about Alexa Bliss. Uh, yeah, I mean, I like the Otis and Manny story. I'm curious where they're going with it, uh, it because just because of the performers are fun, like you know the and it's a unique telling of a love story for, for at least for WWE, like just th that angle of it, that aspect of it. But they've made Alexa and Nikki. I don't care about them. Yeah, I, you know, yeah, it's uh. butters in the chat said Nikki Cross is so dead now. Complete 180 from NXT. I agree with that. What's the last thing you really remember about Nikki Cross? It's that ladder match she had with Oscar, the last woman standing match. That's her legacy. And we look at what she's doing now. And of course, the sanity stuff. But I mean, we look at what she's doing now and it's just like, well, the one okay. thing that gives me hope, the one thing that gives me hope is that she did give Alexa a little bit of a look where Alexa said, "We're totally going to get along in the Royal Rumble and we're going to be best friends." And Nikki was kind of like, "Ha ha ha." Um I I suspect that they're just slow playing the fact that Nikki is still crazy and at some point will turn on Alexa and I fingers crossed for that. In the meantime, she's out on TV every week getting that money. So, and I say this all the time, like not everybody has to be the number one person in their division. They don't have to be the top person on TV. When you're in WWE, sometimes just getting on TV and having a storyline, as long as it's not like embarrassingly bad, even if it is embarrassingly bad, like Rusev and Lana are getting main event money because their segment is in the main event. Butters, I see you. Uh, Mandy and Otis wedding on SmackDown. If that happens, if this whole thing culminates in the, the dream story of 
the big guy getting the girl and getting married, you're going to see a grown man cry. I swear. Yeah, uh, I, I think that Butters has put that in the chat to try to, to like make it seem like it was a bad thing. What he doesn't understand is who you are, Nick, and that if you see an Otis and Mandy wedding, you're all in. You're all oh, about that. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be sobbing like a, a little baby. Yeah, and then, of course, you come out and find out that, that she and Tucky have a love child. Uh, so let's talk about Bray Wyatt and Daniel Bryan because this story, I've been, I've been a big supporter of this whole storyline. I thought it's been great so far mm -hmm. and taking the time with it. This week, I'm not going to lie, it's a bit of a left turn, Nick, and not for the How better. How so? Because so, I, I, I want to hear what you have to say because I have some thoughts on it too. Oh, well, I, I would hope that you do, seeing as we have a show where we give our thoughts about what happens on wrestling shows. Uh, so we've got, <laughs> uh, so we have, we made it almost three years. I, I'll never know. <laughs> like an old married couple. Yes. Sir. Uh, so we had a, we had a firefly Funhouse segment. Bray Wyatt said that Daniel Bryan has been very naughty and that yeah, you should love everybody, but, uh, the fiend and me, we don't love you, Daniel. So at the Royal rumble, we're going to, we're just going to hurt you. Daniel Bryan gets an uh, interview later on in the show. He says that, yeah, everyone gets changed by The Fiend, but you know what? I got changed for the better because he couldn't break me. I'm unbreakable. And after this interview segment, all of a sudden the TV behind him goes to static and Ramblin' Rabbit shows up on the TV. Uh, so here's where we start stretching the credulity of this whole thing. But all right, fine. Ramblin' Rabbit shows up on the TV and goes, Daniel Bryan, I'll, I'll tell you his secret. There is the way you can beat him. I, I, and he gets grabbed by Bray Wyatt's hurt fist. And Bray Wyatt says, "Up, oh, snitches, stitches get stitches. Psh, TV goes off the air. Daniel Bryan is left contemplating pensively afterwards. And later on uh, in, the, uh, he, in the locker room, he finds a red box. And inside the red box is the bloody corpse of Ramblin' Rabbit. Oh, my goodness. Is, uh, is Ramblin' Rabbit Kenny? Kind of, basically, he's, yeah, he's kind of like he's Bray Wyatt's Kenny. Yeah. Um, but, okay, so... I get what they were going for here, Nick. Okay. And I think you know, on some level, it's interesting information to hear that The Fiend has a weakness and Ramblin' Rabbit knows what it is. But we were talking earlier about supernatural stuff. Like, what, what, if you can get it over with the audience, if you can get the audience to believe it, you can do anything with it. And did they go too far here? Was it a step backwards in the sense that it just became too ridiculous? No, and, and I'm remembering some of my initial thoughts this past summer, six months ago, when we first saw The Fiend, and we were all, keep it in your pants, but we were loving that there would be these little cameos with the puppets, and we got the Hammer Smash, and Ramblin' Rabbit Jelly, and stuff like that, like, that kind of little tropey stuff is kind of what kept us going, and kept us what into it, or what kept us in, into this whole thing, so I don't want to, like, Double, I, yeah, I, I want to let this play out. I'm still very intrigued with the hurt heel thing on the gloves. We haven't really got an explanation. We've speculated that when he uses one or the other with the mandible claw or for something else, it has different powers and different effects, but, <laughs> you know. <laughs> You're getting really into this now. I, I, I'm very invested in, in Bray. And, and I think a lot of us are. And I think we were all really upset after Hell in a Cell. And it's taken three months for us to all kind of calm down and let the dust settle and let all of this kind of reset itself. But yeah, man, I, I'm very happy that they're just getting back to the sort of obscure stuff that they were doing this summer 
before we ever got to the fiend coming out at SummerSlam. So I'm I'm kind of just I'm sitting back and going, all right, let's see where this goes. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, I hope so. This week I thought was like I said I thought it was a, I thought it was a step backwards, but overall. Yeah, I'm with you. Let's see where it goes. A uh, couple other things on SmackDown. Elias sang a song about the Rumble. I don't, I don't, I don't like face Elias. I don't like him being the SmackDown version of the Street Profits and coming out here and running down the whole story for us in a damn song. It was lame. Yeah, that was. Awesome. Uh, and finally, Sheamus cut a promo. He's gunning for Chad Gable, and he's back on SmackDown to embrace chaos. And they lit him to be really shiny. But uh, yeah, that was SmackDown, Nick. And it was not good this week. No, it was but, not. But um, hopefully they'll rebound next week. They, they've been hit or miss. There's been some that I've been entertained by. This was unfortunately just not one of them. Not one of them. Seemed a little slipshod. Yeah. So. Well, Ian, uh, that's the end of the wrestling stuff, the graps. But we always want to close out the show with something that we like to call a moment of positivity. So, Ian, what was your best what was your moment of positivity for the week and I, i'm glad we are doing this because i feel like smacked on this week I, I was being a little bit down and now while my moment of positivity doesn't come from smackdown i'm glad that we're at least rebounding a little bit here yeah. it actually it actually comes I, it was tough because um I, I wanted to say kushida and alex jelly reuniting like when i saw that they were going to be time splitters like I, I lit up like a christmas tree i was like yes oh my god Time splitters in NXT. Oh, that was a good one. But I really, I had to call back. I had to go back to the the absolute insane pops that Orange Cassidy gets, and just just the that match, that weird like indie comedy match that Jurassic Express and Best Friends had was just that put us it put a smile on my face the entire time and i was just sitting there going i couldn't believe it i couldn't believe this match was on tv and working as well as it was and i know that they've done stuff with all these guys before it just seemed to crystallize for me this week where i was like this is just so much goddamn fun and it makes no sense and it doesn't matter it doesn't it doesn't yeah who cares it's fun it doesn't matter it's just it's just fun and anybody who watched that was like it doesn't make any sense it's not wrestling i'm like you know yep but you know what it's fun. In 2020, it is. And in Suck some it. ways, that's sometimes all <laughs> sometimes that's all you need. So that was my moment of positivity was was just being really happy at, at that ridiculous, ridiculous comedy match. Uh I'll give you three guesses as to what mine is. Jackson Riker. Come on. <laughs> Otis you, Otis you, Otis eating the cake. No. That's two. Oh, oh that's number two? No, that's two uh, guesses. Wrong. That's two guesses. Wrong. I have to. I have to. There's a third one. I have to. I have to figure this out. Um, uh, uh, Brandy on commentary. What? Was I wrong? It, it was when I heard that guitar riff signaling that Tony Storm was coming out to face Rhea Ripley right. at the end of her thing to interrupt Give her. Give Nick Tony Storm. Give Nick. Tony Storm, 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 Storm. I got you. Oh. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Look, all markery aside, I think the pairing of those two in a, you know, some sort of match, do you have to turn Tony heel to make that work? I don't know if that works with somebody like Tony. Uh, does Rhea somehow flip in the you know, mid-reign to do something dastardly? Who knows? But I, I just, I, that's, we've had Bianca, we've had Io, we've had Candice, 
none of them have really worked against Shayna, and I want to give them the benefit of the doubt that they could potentially work against a Rhea Ripley and a face champ dynamic. Could they make some of these storylines work? I don't know. But am I excited about seeing Tony on TV? Hell yes. <laughs> of course you are. So she's held. She's 23 years old. She's held every women's title around the world. Literally, literally almost all of them. And it's put put all of your all of the male stuff aside. Yeah, she's an she's an, she's an amazing in ring talent. She's really good on the mic. She's got good comedy timing. All of that stuff. So I, I think that the, getting to see her shine on TV every week, I, I think is going to be a good thing for NXT. So that was mine for obvious reasons. You guys obvious. know I'm a huge Tony Storm fan. Have been for not for no, she, not, not of the none of the male reasons for it. None, none, none whatsoever. Not because she's got dumps like a truck. Truck, truck. That, that, I was well, like, what, well, what, what? Yeah. Give Nick all Tony night all night long. Give Nick Tony Storm. All right, enough of that. That was our moment of positivity, uh, yes. ladies and gentlemen. And that, I, Nick, I think that's our show. Yes, guys, thanks for. Oh, no, wait. We're not oh. done just oh. yet. We've got just enough time for our other news lightning round. Beep, 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 beep. All right, well, this actually happened right as we were starting our show. So this is going to be kind of catch as catch can still. I don't even know what's happened since the start of the show. But my goodness, Tessa Blanchard's getting dragged, dragged on Twitter right now. She put out a tweet saying, Hey, woman. Try supporting one another. Cool things happen. And, oh, Lord, they came out of the woodwork to take her down after that. Uh, Priscilla Kelly came out and said, Remember publicly putting me down on Twitter last year for something that didn't involve you whatsoever, then continuing to drag my name to other people for it? Pepperidge Farms remembers. You should probably delete this tweet. My goodness. Not only that, uh, Chelsea Green said, you, cons- you consistently put down, bullied, and belittled countless female coworkers, including me. Is that support? Question mark. Uh, so right off the bat, Priscilla Kelly and Chelsea Green coming after Tessa Blanchard. Uh, also Allison Kay with probably the biggest shot fired where she's Allison Kay, Sienna said, remember when you spat in a black woman's face and called her the N word in Japan, was that you quote supporting women? The audacity of this tweet. Holy, holy mackerel. Uh, Tessa Blanchard responded directly to Chelsea Green saying, I've never been anything but kind to you. I've dealt with mean girls since I started not saying I'm a saint. Hell, I've had my ups and downs and I've made silly decisions such as life. You have zero merit in your comments. Instead of putting me down here for a little clout, you've got my number. Uh, Also, Moose came to her defense saying, uh, I guess you, uh, to Allison Kay, he said, I guess you and Chelsea Green are absolute angels with a clean past. The timing of these tweets from you guys Shows a lot about your characters. And Tessa finished off. The last thing I saw was her saying, this is not true. That's my statement and the most attention I'll give it because of how actually ridiculous it is. Moose is, of course, referring to the fact that Tessa has her match against Sammy Callahan for the Impact World Championship this Sunday on Impact Hard to Kill. But my goodness, shade being thrown at Tessa Blanchard. And we've heard rumors of her having issues with other women in the past, including the reason she was out of the Mae Young Classic in the first round was because of issues she had backstage at WWE. But this is... Damn. They came They came for Tessa today. Mm. So uh, I hadn't heard that story about her in Japan from Allison K. Me either. Uh, uh, wow, if true. Wow, if true. Uh, anyway, think what you will. There's probably more on Twitter right now, and I'll, I'll continue that 
uh, over in the group, but um, I haven't had a chance to follow up on that since we started the old show here. But speaking of impact, yes, Sammy Callahan versus Tessa Blanchard for the Impact World Championship this Sunday. Wow. Tessa, frankly, likely to win, uh, be the first ever women's Impact World Champion, uh, especially in an intergender match. It's a, it's a pretty big deal, but obviously... Lots other than intergender, any other stipulations uh, for this match, or is it just a straight-up... Straight-up. Pinfall submission? Straight-up okay. straight match. Uh, also, Taya Valkyrie versus Jordan Grace versus ODB in a three-way for the knockouts title. If Taya loses her title, mm, you might see Mrs. Morrison over the WWE sooner rather than later. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. Ace Austin versus Trey for the X Division Championship. Eddie Edwards will defend his Call Your Shot trophy against Michael Elgin. Uh, Ethan Page and Josh Alexander versus Rich Swan and Willie Mack, who have the most wholesome relationship in wrestling right now. Uh, Brian Cage versus Rob Van Dam. Mm, yes, gimme. Ken Shamrock versus Madman Fulton. Mm, yes, gimme. And Moose versus Rhino. Also, mm, yeah, gimme. So that's, that's, a, that's a pretty solid card. I'm not going to lie. Hell yeah, it is. Pretty damn solid card. So that's coming up this Sunday. Check that out on Fight TV. Uh, so Nick, remember earlier in the show when I said there was a report out, a, a strong rumor that said who the new leader of the Dark Order might be? Oh. Well, guess who's leaving WWE in March and is rumored to be that person? None other than Matthew James McKenneke Hardy. Oh. Matt Hardy, broken Matt Hardy may soon be Dark Order broken Matt Hardy, uh, which I think is a very interesting prospect. And it would certainly go a long way to making Dark Order feel pretty damn legit. You have my attention. <laughs> right? Uh, that was a Wrestling Observer. That all kind of works. So, so take that with a Wrestling Observer grain size grain of salt. But at the same time, I'm not mad at that idea. Uh, also, speaking of Wrestling Observer, they and PW Insider report that Ring of Honor is offering Marty Skrull some WWE main roster money to stick around. Uh, for like something, some insanely small number of dates, like they're the boy is getting paid. Ring of Honor is opening up their purse strings to try, and to keep they're going to let him around. work in the NWA in New Japan as well. From Correct. Yes. So they are. They want them some Marty Skrull. They know how much value he has for other companies. Uh, whoop, speaking whoop. of which, in response to a lot of the criticism that Ring of Honor has been getting lately, PCO uh, had an interview where he said that. He's actually had nothing but good stuff coming from Ring of Honor. I mean, it's easy to say as the Ring of Honor champ, but um, he said that uh, when he was injured, when he had stitches, that they were very professional. They got him to the hospital, and uh, that they, you know, got a CAT scan, and he didn't have to pay for anything. Um, Ring of Honor sent him an agent after the show. They took care of everything, signed the papers, brought him back to the hotel, made sure he was okay. Um, he says, whenever I quote, whenever I get a little banged up or something, I always get a phone call. Are you good? Are you okay? And the next day that he gets, thanks for what you've done. They are nothing but a first-class organization. So he says, uh, he says, I don't know why he, Joey Mercury said those things. I don't know if it might have been some frustration because things weren't going the way that, that, that he was hoping. Was it a personal vendetta? I don't know what it was. I can't talk for that guy. And I love him to death. But from my side, it has been nothing but first-class from Ring of Honor. From my signing event to every event and everything that they do. So PCO coming to Ring of Honor's defense. Uh, in this particular situation. So hmm. so just interesting to get both sides of the story here uh, because we've definitely been down on Ring of Honor recently. So hmm. speaking of Ring of Honor, also uh, newly re-signed with Ring of Honor, Bandito. 
Bandito has officially re-signed as well. So a possibility they may be keeping some of that talent that, uh, that is so precious that they still have. So speaking of uh, people getting shade thrown at them, Gabe Sapolsky from Evolve, uh, the guy who runs Evolve, more shade being thrown his way. Darby Allen had an interview this week saying Gabe treated wrestlers like, quote, fanboys who should be happy to work there because of the WWE affiliation. And Darby said that while he was working for Evolve, he was living out of his car and more worried about his hospital bills than, uh, than anything else as far as in-ring work. Um, not the only person I've, I've heard talk smack about Gabe uh, Sapolsky. We, ha- we had uh, Ethan Page. La- we talked about it last show. Ethan Page is throwing shade at him as well. So Evolve getting dragged right now too, Nick. Uh, mm. Mm. Uh, and then a couple more things. Shibata over in New Japan. Katsuyori Shibata, who, of course, had his career ended by uh, a nasty, nasty injury in a match with Kazuchika Okada at Dominion a few years ago, um, had, a, had a subdural hematoma from headbutting, Katsuyori Shibata, uh, from headbutting Okada too hard. He tried to get cleared early, uh, earlier, uh, let's say late last year, I guess, with his whole feud with Kent and everything. He wanted to get back in the ring. He still wants to get back in the ring. He wants it so badly, Nick. But he was told in, quote, no uncertain terms that there was, quote, 0% chance that he would ever be cleared by the New Japan doctors. Wow. Uh, which, given, given how he went out and the fact that he's a madman and would probably try to do something crazy and stupid again, it might be for the best. Yes, know? please. Please don't get back in there and die. Right. Oh my God! When the, the little bit of action that he had last year with Kenta, I was just sitting there the entire time, like going, "Don't touch his head! Don't hit him in the head!" Oh God! More scary than Daniel Bryan that. But uh, so Shibata not looking like he's getting back in the ring anytime soon. Sadly, do not let that man anywhere near Kenta right now. <laughs> Kenta's a professional. He's not going to kick him in the head. Listen, we don't think. We don't think. Who knows with Kenta these days? He's he's a madman. Uh, finally, Samoa Joe said in an interview on Corey Graves' podcast that Vince loved him on commentary. Now, he was being a little bit uh, in character when he said all this, but it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, he, he, it wouldn't surprise me if he was, he was coming from uh, some sort of basis of truth because, good God, the guy really was fantastic on commentary. Yeah, so it wouldn't surprise me if after he's done with his rec- regular wrestling duties that Vince doesn't try to wrangle him into a commentary position because, God damn, give me Samoa Joe on commentary. It's really good. Yeah, and that especially, I'm, I'm in. Oh, that is the news, sir. Amen. That, I'm in as well. Thank you very much, Sir Ian Dangerous, and thank you guys for hanging out in the chat. Just a quick note, don't go anywhere. Just refresh our uh, YouTube page, our YouTube channel, because you'll see the next stream coming up immediately after we wrap this one up for our patron mailbag episode. Yeah. And if you're not watching on YouTube currently and you're listening in your car to the audio podcast afterwards, head over to youtube.com slash busted wide open. Hit that subscribe button so that you can get notified whenever we go live. That way you can hang out in the chat and interact with us while we do those listener questions from our patrons and hey uh if you want to uh contribute to that and ask your questions for ian and i to answer pretty much anything yes. goes uh you can head over to patreon.com slash bwo best way to support the show is via patreon for just mm. five dollars a month you can sign up to get a copy of the show notes and the ability to ask those listener questions every single week uh for ten dollars a month you can get access to monthly bonus episodes every single month uh such as Hopefully, if I can get it done, Nick's Fantasy Booking Part Due coming later this month. Uh, i got a couple of long-haul flights to do in the next uh, few weeks, so uh, be ready. 
uh, it's coming. Um, but yes, patreon.com slash BWO. You can get bonus episodes, uh, sweet swag, Skype calls with Nick and Surrey and Dangerous, all kinds of good stuff over there. And it's one of the ways that we keep this show ad-free for the time being. As we grow and grow, that needs to grow as well so that we can continue to keep some of that clear. So best way to support the show is via Patreon. Uh, and make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel because we are on that race to 1,000 subscribers. And the faster we get there, we can start doing some things like ads uh, on the YouTube stuff on our videos and super chats and things like that. So all of this has a purpose, right? We want to keep all of this ad-free. And you guys helping us and supporting us, is that is one of the key things to do as we head Headlong into 2020. Uh, you can also find us over on Facebook, or sorry, Twitter and Instagram. Can't keep all the social medias straight. Come on, days. DDP. Come on, DDP. Let's right. go. Twitter and Instagram at BWO Podcast. Uh, and like I said, YouTube.com slash Busted Wide Open. But my name is Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous. But by God, would somebody stop the damn match? This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.